Welcome to episode 61 of Tech of a Tea. I'm, as always, your host, Brody Robertson, and today we have an interesting guest. It, I don't think it would be fair to call you just, like, a Linux YouTuber, because that doesn't really uh, accurately describe your channel. While you do some Linux content from time to time, and you'll do some, like, movie review stuff as well, yeah, you'll sometimes. also do things like uh, the one you released today. The Oh, oh that's showing yeah. the wrong screen. Uh, I'll fix An that. Interesting video. The Marge Simpson installs Arch Linux. Now, oh yeah. Uh, would 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 you like to explain that while I fix up? Oh, my I, I can ex I can explain. So sometimes, well, before I even even began with Linux stuff, um, which I I've used Linux since I was much younger, but before I began making videos about it and actually talking about it, I would make just completely unrelated videos to technology things that were unrelated, and I found that one of the types of videos that I love the most just as a, I guess you could call it a stress reliever, something that just took, it just took so little editing because they were short videos. I'm talking mm -hmm. one to two to three minutes long, just animate some kind of meme or mm. I, I don't really know what you would call it, something like that. So I have an entire playlist full of those. Either my friend would send me a voice clip and I thought that was really funny. So I made it into a video or something like that. So I was, one day I was walking just as recently, mm -hmm. I was walking down the street and something. And then the idea came to me because I knew one of my friends uh, knew how to do a really, really good Marge Simpson impression. So I thought, hey, what if we just turn that into a video? And, mm -hmm. and that, that's how the idea came. I just sat down, I wrote the entire script for this thing, and they read it off, and uh, then I got the audio. Mm -hmm. He took like a million different takes, and then I had to cut each individual take to a correct one because that's mm -hmm. the professional method of way yeah. doing it. I just found that completely alienating because most of the time I just – I just keep recording over and over again and cut everything while mm -hmm. editing the audio originally. But anyway, so I took that and then I made the video and the idea is just sort of flowed from there. You know, like, why would, why don't we have like some really, I just found images on the internet. Like there's one where you can find two different frames, two different, but one shot with two different uh, frames of Marge Simpson, looking at the computer and looking away from the computer mm -hmm. and everything just sort of flowed naturally making the video. Like with most of these videos, it just, you do it in one day, you get it done yeah. and then it's just a fun video to put out. And that's the sort of stuff that I like doing from time to time because if you spend your entire, entire like uh, YouTube career, I don't really know what you would call it, but your entire YouTube life, mm -hmm. uh, just making videos that are highly edited, high quality, that kind of stuff, you'll get drained out. It's, it's just months and months to work on a video that will come out and will be good, mm -hmm. but you can't have that short little first video and that's what these sort of are so i got that one the marge simpson one and i got a million others mm -hmm. just like it that are similar so if that kind of stuff comes out whether it be linux related or not yeah i'm gonna give people a, a bit of a look at how that actually sounds uh here we go Already system yeah. of choice but marge is a, the, <laughs> the is not as good sounds like a virus yeah. are you sure it's safe to put out in our computer uh, yes homer it's perfectly safe i know this because it's candy with more you know yeah I'll, I'll give you that the marge voice is actually pretty good it's okay yeah uh the homer impression wasn't maximal but the no. more he's, he's good at the marge impression mm -hmm. <laughs> His link is in the description of the video if you want to check him and the Homer guy. Yeah, They're I'll, separate people. I'll put that in the description of this one as well. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll yeah. just link directly to this video, actually. <sighs> that was a good start. <laughs> you are a An very high-energy person. That I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what to say. You just... Just, just... I'm I don't know. I'm lost. Uh, I am high energy. People tell me that. Then, all right, I'm high energy. Well, what am I gonna do now? I'm just. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's fair. Well, okay. What made you actually want to start making videos then? That's a good question. Um, so let's see. I was when was I? So 2009. Mm -hmm. I was 
four years old, right? What happened was, um, you know, the big recession, 2008, that kind of stuff, everything went crashing down. Bad economy, bad. And uh, my parents lost both their jobs. Well, my dad lost his job. My mom quit her job because without my dad's job, we can't support a family of now five kids, which mm-hmm. is a lot to support. So what happened was, uh, well, we, we had to find, you know, someplace to live because we couldn't really live in Italy because job opportunities in Italy, which is the country where I come from, mm-hmm. were basically non-existent. And Italy is technically still in recession. So we never really recovered from 2008. That's just the sign of how completely garbage our economy currently is. Mm-hmm. So what my dad did, what my dad did was he went on a job hunt and um, he was searching for jobs. He's an airline pilot. He was former Air Force pilot. He's a veteran of the Gulf War, Bosnian war with uh, Bosnia Herzegovina, things revolving around um, Albania, that kind of stuff. And uh, he found a few airline proposals, one in Ethiopia. He tried going on Cathay Pacific, and eventually he finds one here in the United Arab Emirates. And we settled down here through the Cafeta work system. So essentially, one person like my dad can get a job here and get a sponsorship, which means he's allowed to live in the country and be a citizen. Um, and the rest of his family also gets to live in the country. So we get to live in the country and I've been living here since. So what that basically sparked is when we got here, mm-hmm. my dad basically had all his computers and stuff all around because he was always using his computers to study for the next exam on planes, that kind of stuff. So I would get on his laptop or something while he was at work doing simulators or flying or whatever. And I would go on to YouTube and I discovered a lot of stuff. Um, you know, at the time, it was very different than how it is now. Like one really big thing that was about to crash in a few years was animation, that kind of stuff. Mm. So you'd see people drawing stick man, doing those stick man fights, that kind of stuff. I love that. And I loved other things. Mo- many things I shouldn't have seen, like the AVGN, definitely shouldn't have seen that when I was six years old. But, you know, yeah, probably not. No, happen. I was a bit older when I was yeah, watching no, AVGM. Exactly. But yeah, definitely still still a bit too young for that. It's definitely not. as Yeah. But anyway, it, it happened. So I saw this. And so that sort of laid a seed in my head. Hey, no, this is a thing people do. At the moment, people didn't really consider a career. We're talking 2009, 2010. Yeah, yeah. But as time went on, like, you know, there were people who were beginning to turn it into a career. So I saw this transformation, this first generation of YouTubers were sort of making it into a proper thing they could do. So then jump forward to like 2015, mm-hmm. October 2015, around that kind of time. Me and my friends decide we're going to film something funny. We're going to mm-hmm. film like uh, we had a can of Mirinda, which is basically Arab uh, like Fanta. Right, right. Okay. And um, we were like sliding it across the table like uh, this sort of thing, you know, like whoop de Wait, can't even see it. Yeah, this kind of thing. You know, yeah, that, that, yeah, okay. that thing kids do where they slide it to each other. We called it bartender, like a game. But anyway... Sure. I, I was tr- I was in charge of filming it, so I filmed it, and then we were like, "Hey, why don't we put that on YouTube?" So I made a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called J, based off our initials J A for my first name, and then Y, which is the initial of my other friend. Mm-hmm. And we, but basically, I just kept putting videos on there. I would make videos on Minecraft, as every child in 2015 would. Um, videos on other things. I remember I first made Denshi videos under the name Denshi under the idea that it was just basically a PowerPoint presentation and it would talk about something that was just like anything. Like it would talk about video games or video game theories mm-hmm. or whatever, like random stuff. Oh, that's lost. I can't find any of it le- left. Although the channel is still up under a different name, Denshi Space or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's how it all began. Um, then I moved over. I realized slowly while making videos on J that my most successful videos were tutorials. So I'd make videos like a tutorial on how to make videos, how to use editing software, how to do this. I was like 11 years old, 12 years old, mm-hmm. that kind of age. And I was like, hey, why don't I open a channel dedicated to tutorials? So I tried that and that failed. So I deleted that. 
Then it's on a new channel dedicated entirely to making more high quality edited videos, a little, you know, character animation, that kind of thing, that failed too. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually I was 2019, uh, April 2019, which was, um, think, thing that I, I had just, but was just finishing my first year at GCSE, which is like a UK system, high school, whatever. And uh, that was when I decided, why don't I make a channel and I make it entirely about this Denshi thing. Like I mm. make it entirely about drawing stuff, drawing and then making drawings into videos. So I made my first video, which was a meta video called YouTube. There's no meta video, you know, it's the first video for me on YouTube. It's called YouTube, whatever. I actually did go and watch just... that one earlier today, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm... It, it was, I wrote like the first half of that video, then I got lazy and I just improvised the rest of the video. So that's how 90% of my videos are made these days. Just, I sit down in front of the microphone, I, I read half of the script and I'm like, oh yeah, the rest of this is crap. I'm just going to make up the rest and I make it up. Mm -hmm. So that began the flow of that just basically, I don't really draw anymore in videos. I don't right. do the drawings anymore, but all the editing skills I learned from mounting everything together and, and doing the keyframes and whatever, that helped me massively with doing what I do now, which is make more highly edited videos with proper transitions and proper stuff. So uh, that slowly built itself into something that I could tangibly feel was a proper skill. So mm -hmm. that's how we are at now. I just kept making videos. At some point in 2019, at late 2019, I changed the name of the channel from the uh, Denshi Draws to Denshi Video because I just wanted it to be just videos not mm -hmm. limited mm -hmm. to drawing. And then, then I just kept going. And that's how it is now. I just kept making videos about Linux. So for anyone who um, may have been out of the loop at the time, Explain what actually happened with uh, animation, because I do remember this actually going down, but there oh, might yeah. be people who are completely lost. Oh, yeah. It. There's a lot to say about that. So if anybody remembers this, I don't know your audience demographic, how old they are. Uh, I think they're back in, in, a bit older than me in like 20, oh, okay. mid-20s. So they definitely remember this. Yeah, yeah. Either they remember this or they were too old to remember this. But uh, what happens normally is this. Well, what happened really is that mm -hmm. in 2009, that kind of time, what big boom of animation that happened in the few years prior since 2004 it's sort of been building was this was this program called you know adobe macromedia flash adobe flash it was a software made by adobe well it was originally made by macromedia then adobe bought it an animation software you could even script stuff and you could do a lot of cool things with it and you could you know make scripts and then make video games in as well and many websites like youtube used flash player to play videos so it mean it meant that if you made videos in flash it was generally more advantageous on YouTube and websites like Newgrounds, which was also a video hosting site, uh, you pretty much exclusively could upload Flash projects and stuff mm -hmm. and they would show up. And that had various advantages. So we all know Flash, you know, it's a proprietary system. It's pretty much useless these days. It's not really used by anyone. It's only really useful as an animation tool for some people because the basic framework of the software makes it so it's good to animate in it, not actually good to export that and play mm -hmm. it in the Flash player. So people would use the Flash software to make videos and upload them to YouTube. And because it was so popular with kids, and I guess I don't really know where they were getting it from, probably piracy, let's be honest, but I don't know where the kids were getting it from, but they were getting Adobe Macromedia Flash or whatever, and they were animating stuff. There was this massive boom of kids animating stuff and, and adults animating stuff, stick mm. fights, that kind of thing. There were loads of people making these, and it just exploded. Then what happened around 2011, 2012, it just slumped people weren't really interested in animation videos. So if you were making animation videos during that period, you probably didn't see much success on YouTube. And then we all know what happened. 2014, 2015, there was the boom of a new genre of animation on mm -hmm. YouTube, 
which was the story time animation where people were making videos talking about personal experiences. You know, we all know the guys, odd ones out, Jaden animations, these mm, kind of yeah, people, yeah. They, they boom, they're super popular because they're popular with kids, just like the original animations of the stick fights, that kind of stuff was also popular with kids. So that saw a massive boom. Now that's also waning. Animation on YouTube is getting bigger thanks to YouTube itself becoming bigger. There's entire shows that are animated on yeah, YouTube yeah. for free. Sure. And that kind of stuff. And there's some that have been greenlit for TV series. So the success is still there. But it did fail 2012, 2011, that kind of time. And then it came back with uh, story time. So that, that's how that went. There's actually a, um, a couple of projects that are attempting to basically keep Flash alive. I know Lights. Oh, yeah. I'm, I know I'm looking at Lightspark. That's one of those that's an open source implementation of Flash Player. And I know there's mm -hmm. a couple of others as well, but... I don't think there's anything that's actually a um, full open source uh, decent player at this point. I, at least I don't mm. know of one. I don't know of any either. I'm pretty sure most of them are open source. They implement some kind of proprietary code somewhere, yeah. somewhere in it. Um, but I, I do admire those because one of the most important things when it comes to the internet is preservation of media. Because if I have a server hosting something, then I unplug it, boom, that's, that's mm -hmm. gone from the internet. Unless people have downloaded it. The general consensus, what I don't like about people talking about the internet, they often say that when you put something up on the internet, it never goes away. Mm. What they mean by that is when you put something up on social media, it never goes away. Because if you put something up self-hosted, it will most likely go away. Mm -hmm. It's going to go unless people federated or or spread it across which is i think a generally better system um so yeah i do admire anybody who works on these projects and tries to back up all these whole flash projects even if it's just like some some 11 year olds random flash animation from 2008 or something like it Look, still works you gotta you gotta up. make sure that all of those awful flash games from armor games are preserved exactly for the rest of history yeah. i, I want to play boxhead mm -hmm. in 10 years from now i want to play all of yes. the soft and cool maths games most certainly, yeah. Excellent. I know that Newgrounds has a Flash player. They built this specifically so you can use it on their website just ah. as a browser plugin. Mm -hmm. Not 100% sure of how they fix all the vulnerabilities in Flash with that. I'm assuming they, they fix them somehow. Then they, they just use that they just as left them just there. a plugin or something like that. It could just still be in there, just whatever. Just... Yeah, they just don't say it. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Um... I thought I had something that I was going to say, and then I just completely lost it. Oh, mm -hmm. you know what? Screw that. We're just going to go somewhere else. Um, did okay. you hear about the thing that happened with the, uh, the University of Minnesota with uh, the commits they're making to the Linux kernel? That yes, was, I did. I yeah. did hear about that. Yeah. So for anyone who's mm -hmm. completely out of the loop, uh, the University of Minnesota, they had a group of, there was a professor and a couple of students doing... I guess it's a PhD project. I'm not exactly sure what the project actually was, but they were trying to write a research paper and they were making intentionally faulty commits to the Linux kernel. Uh, then after that, submitting patches to those faulty commits, basically to try and uh, see if see what the feasibility of getting, um, I guess, malicious code into the Linux kernel actually was. And as you could probably tell from that, uh, some of the Linux maintainers were not exactly happy about that. Yeah. Now, I don't really know how etiquette works with universities and this type of penetration testing, mm. or as you would call it, I don't know, like getting into the source code. But I would assume that the general etiquette is you're sort of sort of like you're, you're meant to ask the Linux kernel project before you go and try and do something like mm. that, or at least you're, you can't just go in there and start submitting malicious code. And 
obviously they're going to get approved. Their university, if I say the university is committing code to the Linux project, and I'm the maintainer, I'm, I'm a guy who could approve commits, I'm going to look at that and say, yeah, this university is trustworthy. They're going to get the code. So, so what were these guys thinking when they were doing it? I'm pretty sure like you're a trusted mm. institution and you're going to do this sort of thing. Unless they were specifically testing that if a trusted institution could get it in. Unless they were specifically testing that, if they're because clearly, look, what they're trying to figure out is if any rando can go up there and post malicious code mm. and somehow get it approved and somehow get it in the kernel release and then you know get this malicious code in people's computers. That was I'm assuming that's their general that's scope. That's generally the idea. Um, yeah, and the way they went about it, they were so because um, they were submitting patches. Then in te- like right after submitting the patch to their in their broken patch. They were trying to make sure it doesn't actually make its way into the actual stable branch. Uh, some of the commits actually did, though, and that's the problem. So, uh. so yeah, that that's the biggest issue that sort of happened there. It would be one thing if they just stayed in the email exchanges. It would be annoying, and you shouldn't be doing it. But the fact that some of this code actually did make it into the actual releases is a much bigger problem. Yeah. What if somebody downloaded that and compiled it? It'd be ridiculous. But uh, So when it comes to this sort of thing, I think the most important... It's like I think like when we look at all this and get rid of all the fog and look at the clear issue here, it's that an institution like the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. is sort of just blindly trusted to commit code to the kernel and not have it be malicious. So that's really the issue here. I mean, you could talk all you want about how they ran their study and how they, they should have definitely warned them before doing this, mm-hmm. but you're talking about the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's inherently flawed to test for something like this when you're literally an institution and you have your email address listed on a university email, whatever it is, university, I think it's um, U-M.edu or something like that. U-N-M or something? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, something like that. U-M-N.edu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edu, that kind of thing. Yeah, because you're .edu, you sort of assume that there's going to be some... Well, it'd be like seeing, I don't know, uh, I I don't have a good example. Let's say you have like a someone committing code for, with a Google email, for example, you would assume that person wor- is working at Google, is trying to do something to actually submit code to an actual exactly, project. Yeah. yeah. So that's the primary issue here, I think, is that, like, the, obviously, it makes perfect sense to trust a university mm-hmm. institution, but you shouldn't, at least when you're doing some kind of penetration, like testing, at least go through the effort of setting up a different email server that seems believable if you want to truly make it a believable experience. But I don't know. I don't know what their process was. I don't know what their thinking was. They might have just made a completely honest mistake. I don't really know. But now they've banned the whole university off the Linux kernel anyway, so what are they going to do now? The, the yeah, big problem they also had with it was um, some of these people who were involved had also committed to the Linux kernel in the past as well. Oh, so they're not really sure that's... when the the uh, the tests actually started either. So that's the biggest issue. So there was about I think two hundred and sixty commits they had to go through and check if like when the like what was actually intended to be malicious and what was actually just regular commits to the kernel. So there exactly. is probably weeks and weeks of time that's going to be wasted by the maintainers just checking over this code. If only they would have warned them that they were going to do this and ex- told them exactly what they were doing, this this wouldn't really be a problem, mm-hmm. I guess. So that, that would have been a proper penetration testing because you would have actually seen if people... Because there would be someone who would be aware and would be able to take it out before it actually got put into the stable mm-hmm. branch. But this hasn't clearly happened here. So I guess that's incompetence of their part or maybe their process was just 
flawed inherently or something like that yeah so i know that mm -hmm. um linus wasn't involved in the uh the email list going back and forth about this but he did actually release a uh, statement afterwards let's see if we can find it oh really let's see that um university of minnesota linux linus torvalds i should have saved the link from earlier today uh here we go from tom's hardware linus torvalds responds to the thing uh how do i send a link in jitsi there we go there's the chat now, let's take a look at this. All right. Let's see. Tom's hardware says. So, uh, yeah, addressing the um, University of Minnesota. Uh, and Torvalds apparently did an interview with iWire and said that, I don't really know what to say, he said. I think the thread is likely the most relevant information. I don't think it has been a huge deal technically, but people are pissed off, and it's obviously a breach of trust. Yeah, that sort of sums it up really well. Yeah. And that's a fairly fairly calm take from Torvalds, to be honest. Yeah, I would expect far worse. But then again, he's interviewing with a company. He's yeah. not going to start. This isn't an email listing. This is a company. This is a news agency or mm. whatever, iTech maybe. Yeah, I, I think the person who got the most annoyed with this was, uh, was Greg Hartman. He was the, the main guy who basically called these, uh, called these people out. Because this person, mm. um, he'd noticed this person had been frequently submitting these patches that were just broken and he was oh. basically just absolutely done with it and i guess he'd already heard about this paper being um paper being made and just sort of putting two and two together oh yeah so uh wait i'm assuming these broken patches were during the period in which they were doing the testing and not in the past because you said some of the people working on this project had been like developing yes. like the, the Linux so kernel in the past. So are were, these broken patches from the past or from now? From the from there's the been 160 patches in the actual um, the paper. So okay, it's it's a while at least. I think the, they've been yeah. doing it for <laughs> about a year now, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are patches that go all the way back to 2018, and they're not really sure what pat like when it exactly started the other big problem they had with the um the paper is for some reason even though the the source code they're working on is completely open source in the paper where they showed figures they obfuscated the code and oh I beautiful don't understand why so they, can't no even, they don't even know which ones are which yeah yet. no oh boy they're gonna have to manually go through and figure out mm -hmm. oh i don't envy that job no it's just a mess of a situation. Honestly, yeah. I I would half expect the university... Like, they've already um, released a statement about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, make a large donation to the Linux kernel. Possibly, to try to get them back to mm. unbanning them from developing with the Linux kernel. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, things like the development of Linux, we all know it's been heavily sponsored by foundations like the Linux Foundation mm -hmm. and all these sort of people. And whether that's good or bad, it's up to personal opinion. But the truth is, yeah, these companies develop a lot, but it is individuals who mm. truly get it fully functioning. Without individuals working on it and committing changes to the code, there, it wouldn't be where it is now. Yeah. And sure, foundations like the Linux Foundation have done massive contributions, but they use Macs. They're, they're a company that... <laughs> Clearly, yes, has done a lot of good for the Linux kernel. They've done loads of standardizing. A lot of these companies have standardized a lot of things. But we must begin to question whether it's truly correct to trust institutions uh, just as much as we trust individual people. Mm -hmm. Because an institution is a wide, wide array of people. That's a lot of people. So if anybody, any, any person from the University of Minnesota could commit code and have it at a higher priority than an individual, then that's, that's something I think the kernel developers need to really start thinking about. 
Yeah, one of the um, one of the people who has actually maintaining this uh, these patches, I guess, uh, mentioned that the likely thing that just allowed these patches to slip through was the fact that it was a university email. And um, exactly, there have been so effectively what they were doing to actually make these patches was making a static code analyzer, and this is a fairly normal thing for a university to do. So this person just thought, oh, it's just another university reinventing the wheel of a static code analyzer. Oh. Let's just accept the code through. Um, it did. It like it should have been something that didn't get allowed through. They should have actually been more. Um, more Careful, scrutiny for it. Through it correctly, yeah. But it was a university. That's exactly what I'm talking about. But they put more trust into an institution than mm. they would do in a random individual giving them the exact same code. But up until and this point, the way they've yeah. sort of approached patches, which I don't know why they're approaching it like this, is that anyone submitting code to the kernel should be looked at as doing it, um, I guess, in good faith. Whereas the way they're going to start having to go forward now is assume that everyone submitting code is a bad actor and then judge yeah, all the code at, mm. like, as as if, if they are trying to be malicious, which is going to waste yeah. more time, but I think that... It might be more secure in future. Ultimately, that's the one good thing that did come out of this. Yeah. Well, it all depends on who's who's calling the commits, who's saying, yeah, that well, yeah, gets if, through, that doesn't it, get through. If it's someone who's actually like a... Well, I don't think they're going to be as strict on, you know, people who've been committing for 10 years, for example. Exactly, like, yeah. Well, that makes sense, yeah. If, it, if it's someone who's a known kernel developer, then obviously that's different. But for, say, random people who like, I'm going to make my first commit to the kernel, that has to be really scrutinized to make sure that yeah. they're not doing something not like this. Or... Things. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but it, I think like when it comes to... We, there's also the question of code quality. There's a the question of whether something could be done more efficiently or in a better way or, mm. or a more compatible way. And... Uh, like obviously that will also be heavily scrutinized. Well, with the Linux kernel, it's more of the scrutinized. It's accepted and improved a lot over time, as we've seen performance improve a lot, especially with newer hardware and newer hardware releases. Um, because as soon as something new comes out, the Linux kernel is normally not far uh, behind mm. into getting it supported. But the question is now, basically, with this, you've given far more power because of this attitude of taking a look at every single commit with uh, sort of malicious malicious intent. Mm -hmm. You're you're given maximal power to those who say whether it gets merged or not, who mm -hmm. say whether this gets through or not. So whoever's calling those shots, those are the people who are far more in power now. And I guess that's something to think about. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any way... The yeah, there's nothing really to be done about that, but yeah, it is something mm. to think about for sure. Um, yeah. You know, you didn't bring up Max before. Uh, did you see? Uh, so, <laughs> did you see how Apple has now decided that they have been the creator of these Bluetooth tag things you can attach to things? Now everyone's suddenly excited about them. Um, they've made these things called Air Tags. They're basically just like little uh -huh. Bluetooth things you can attach to your like phone or something, and then you can ping it to work out where your phone's located. Oh, so it's basically just a pager, but it works via Bluetooth? Like, like it's, it's a, like... A, why can't you just use the phone's Bluetooth connection? No, I mean, like, it's a it's a little, like... Say, it, basically, it's a little, um... Uh... It's, a, it's basically a GPS track you can attach to, like, your keys mm -hmm. or anything like that, and then if you lose them, you can basically ping them and, like, work out where that thing's actually located. Okay. Um, yeah. They're called AirTags. So, I'm so... That's, that's a clever idea. It's just... They didn't create it. It's, 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 it's ranges. Yeah, they didn't create that. That's, that's pretty obvious. But, uh, 
a question about that is mm. so that connects via Bluetooth, I'm assuming. So if you're I think it's like actually are... Wi-Fi or something. It... Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. Um, some fancy Wi-Fi technology. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Yeah. But mm. yeah, I-, I saw the people like freaking out about this. That like this is <laughs> such a cool thing. Like I I can't believe that Apple's made this. It's like you've been out by these things like six or seven years. Apple is very yeah. good at um. Making things popular, if if nothing else, they're excellent at marketing. They're mm. a marketing mogul. It's it's sort of like there's comparisons that can be drawn to every industry. Every industry has that one company mm-hmm. which knows exactly how to get to people and how to show them something fancy. Because there are a few things that are objectively good about Apple. Then it's just up to marketing. The rest, mm-hmm. like I'd say, eighty percent of it is marketing, and then twenty percent of it is actually good products. Like if you look at Apple's industrial design with every single product they release, it's excellent mm. it's not very cost efficient it's not very good and it's not even good for thermals as we've seen with the terrible macbook thermals in the last few years but they do know how to make something look good mm. like the new imax for example all the colorful ones those yeah. ones they look excellent they're awful for performance they're awful from literally other perspective but they look very nice and people like things that look nice and that's part of the marketing um so the industrial design is objectively good it takes a lot of skill to get things looking that good and get that form factor working and all the hardware in there that's difficult but it's not good it's like working very very hard on something that people enjoy but it's completely useless mm-hmm. it's like making a very 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 beautiful looking toshiba powerbook or not, not toshiba power apple powerbook or i don't know i lost my trail of thought there but a very good looking computer from five years ago mm. that's basically what they're doing so that's what apple is so with this new key thing with this car key track tra- tracker that you can just stick on the stuff i'm assuming it has like an adhesive some kind of thing that you can like. Ah, uh, you can slap it you can buy there. a uh, you can buy a pouch for it. The cheapest pouch is oh. twelve dollars. The most expensive one, four hundred and fifty. <laughs> what is it made out of? Pure diamond, obviously. Ah, uh, leather. I know it's cra- leather, crazy, crazy material here. You never heard of it? Yeah, n- I've never seen leather in my whole life. That's amazing. Four hundred dollars for little. So I'm assuming these pouches just like stick on. Like, I, how would you get it on an actual you like, car key? You like slide the. The thing into it and then like there's a keychain thing you just clip onto it oh i see yeah. so but how do you actually how do you get it to the car key like do you stick it on is there like a little taper oh you you could like you basically you'd like uh clip it onto like your, your key ring sort of thing oh okay so it's got a little clip I yeah see. so that's interesting and like, that's why you need you know, the, just... that's why you need the pouch because the actual like puck thingy the the, the tag doesn't actually have a pouch uh, doesn't have a clip on it so you have to it's buy just, some sort of just, pouch it's just an object it's a little metal this object it's basically a little metal puck uh that you can get like a an emoji engraved that's the one thing they do uh you, you when you buy it you can get an emoji engraved on it <laughs> that's hilarious I can't wait to see those all around the, the city. I don't live in the city. I live in the desert. If you walk in that direction, you'll find the actual desert. But I can't wait to see those around different places. That's going to be ridiculous. People, little apple pucks. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somebody's definitely going to use those for hockey. I'm calling it now. Somebody's going to play hockey with that. Some guy on YouTube or whatever is going to try to do yeah, that. Yeah, that, I, I could see that. Right now, they're up for yeah. pre-order, so we've got to wait a bit for that. But at some soon. Mm-hmm. You can buy in packs yeah. of four as well. They are, oh I think it's $100 for a pack of four. Oh, that's actually relatively good, but it's just a pager. So, you know, so they, Apple made pagers that work on Wi-Fi that have already existed for tons of time. Like those little child trackers they put on the 
children sometimes <laughs> that's got a little phone or whatever um so that sort of thing put a little collar on your child with the apple puck there you go mm, that work problem out. solved child never lost again success apple puck solution but yeah Apple's great at marketing, so they're gonna sell millions of these pucks. They're gonna they're gonna sell like hotcakes, which they sort of look like. So yeah, actually, uh, I didn't honestly when I heard about the, the like colorful uh, iMacs, I didn't actually believe it. It just didn't oh, seem really? like an Apple thing to do. But no, uh, yeah, they, I wouldn't expect them to be colorful. I was expect everybody knew they were gonna make them thin, like crazy well, yeah, thin. Yeah, it's because basically they could do that just like a, basically just a giant iPad on a stick. Yeah, because that's what they are. They have a chip from the iPad that's been modified well, yeah, the slightly M to run Mac OS. Yeah, they stuck an, uh, stuck an M1 in it, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they stuck an M1 in it, with, is, which is, you know, good for thermals. Um, so they can not really worry about having tons of fans everywhere to take up bulk. So everybody yeah. knew. Even There was a great Linus Tech Tips video where they talked exactly about... They talked about the newest iMac, which wasn't the current one. But when, they, when it came out, it, there was a new iMac that was announced. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Linus specifically, well, in the, with the script in this, he predicted that, oh, the new Mac's going to just basically just be an iPad on a stand, that it's going to be flat. And they even showed their own little render thing they tried to make themselves, a mm. mock-up of it. And that looks exactly like the new Macs. But nobody could have predicted the colors. But I guess that's, that's Apple's way of showing they're changing or regrading back to their old self back when they had the colorful logo. At, at least it still has a headphone jack on it. It's in a weird yeah, spot. At least that's a positive. And the Ethernet that passes through the the cable. I'm look okay, wait. It's on Have you okay, have you looked at the new iMac? Because do you know where the headphone jack uh, is? I haven't seen it. No, hold up. I I've seen the ports on it. I've seen they got like there's different configuration you can get like a uh, yeah, USB Thunderbolt, uh, all of course 3.1, so it's got the little round port, USB C port. Hold up, I'm gonna search this. Unless up. I'm seeing um, this wrong, uh the the headphone, jack, the headphone jack on the side. It's on the left side. So if you wanted to use headphones, they'll like come oh, all the way yes, of your it desk. Is. It is. What? It genuinely is, yeah. Why not put under it? <gasps> I don't know. What did they put under it? That's like that's a clever solution for a laptop because you, like nobody wants to then put their headphones in, in the back. But yeah, laptops yeah. do have ports on the back. Some do. So I don't know. Like I don't think it's going to make big, uh, big enough. But it's not really going to make a big impact because anybody who really cares about audio will buy, you know, their own little oh, yeah. special Do Wi-Fi. Thunder, you know, they're not going to thingy for it. They're not building their built. They're not definitely not using the built-in headphone jack. But I don't know. I guess it'll make it easier to break your headphone or <laughs> rip the back. Make the I don't know how much this thing weighs. Oh no, you so. won't have uh, cables because you're going to be using your AirPods. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but no, I guess it'll make it easier for you to pull your headphones and then whoop, whoop. my Mac <laughs> like that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Depends on how much it weighs and how much it, it stays still. That's something I was worried about when I saw it Max, like mm. IMAX. Because what if that little stand, you know, what if it falls over? It doesn't look very stable. When you actually, you know, see one, it, yeah, it stands up. I can't stick about okay. the new ones. The older ones are pretty hefty. The older ones are absolute shock. They're mm, they're big. They mm. tried making them thin, but they still had that big round thing. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I, I haven't, I've, I've not really used a new one. Uh, my dad has an old one. He's 2012 model. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's, yeah, but the newer ones, like regardless of which one you're getting, they always have that round back mm. and that round back, it's just reminiscent of CRTs. And I mm. like that. So, well, yeah, that, that round yeah. back is how you have fans in it. Exactly. They got little fans at the top, which sound horrible, but they I, are fans. I do want to know, so, because it is basically a giant iMac, I, sorry, a giant mm -hmm. iPad. Um, yeah. Why didn't it put a touchscreen on it? That's a good point. 
Uh, probably because yeah, it would I, make I the screen. Him. It would have you would have like uh, fingerprints all over your screen. That would yeah be bad for the aesthetic. Microsoft did it. Yeah, but that's not Apple's thing. Um, yeah, that's no, true. but because this is basically a giant iPad, there is if somehow they manage to make this thing thermal throttle, I will be surprised because it's just the exact same chip with bigger heat uh, dissipation. Well, if, remember that Mac Mini had uh, the new Mac Mini had fans and it mm. used the M1 chip. And if this one, so if, so I don't know about the MacBook Air, if, if it ever thermal throttled with M1, mm-hmm. but I know for a fact that the, that a MacBook, the iMac, the, sorry, not the iMac, the Mac Pro, yeah, not yeah. Mac Pro, what am I saying? The, the mini one, the small one, yep, yep. the little one with the M1 chip, the one that they gave out as dev kits, those ones had no issues with thermals, at least for the most part. Okay. Um, so they should have put fans in this one, I think, but. If they're able to dissipate it well, they're able to dissipate it well. But anyway, we're literally talking about Apple on what's meant to be a Linux show. That's, <laughs> That's fine. Ironic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's fine. Linus wanted an iMac, so it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. The Linux Foundation uses Macs, so mm. it's, it's also fine. Every... Honestly, if you just want to be, like, real lazy with the content, just every year they release a report, just be like, the Linux Foundation uses Macs, and you, you just get, like, thousands of clicks, because... That I guess, I don't know, people just want to keep hearing about the exact same thing every time. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, I mean, it's sort of hard to get over that hypocrisy. Yeah. You, know, you make a pro- It's like the BSD developers. Where does BSD code primarily go to? Where is it mainly used by people? Uh, Mac OS. <laughs> and by extension, iOS. Because what do you think iOS is based on? Mm-hmm. Mac OS which makes this whole M1 transition far less difficult looking now that you realize that it's literally just porting what you've already ported over to a chip that you already have. And then, yeah, the illusion is, is sort of gone. But ARM is something that I am super mm. concerned about when it comes to community. Computing, not community. Com- commuting. I don't know what I said there. Com- commuting. I'm, I'm sure there's ARM chips on like modern buses to track Probably. mileage or something. Well, okay, it, mo- most modern cars have some sort of, like, I don't know, either yeah. Android Auto or whatever Apple's thing is, Apple... C- oh, you completely cut out. Did I? Yeah, no, you're back now, but it cut out for a second okay. uh, on Jitsi. Yeah, modern cars have, like, some sort of uh, Android Auto or Apple's car thing or whatever. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's running up an armchair. I Honestly, I don't know it's how like- that manages to get through, like, regulations, allowing you to have basically a giant tablet in the front seat of your car. Yeah, I was always worried about that when it comes to security. I mean, you're not allowed to put videos on it or that kind of stuff because that has obvious safety issues. Mm -hmm. I don't can't even have video call, but I saw that like some video call programs that are exclusively for video calling Mm -hmm. are available on Android Auto and stuff. I haven't tested it out, but if that happens, that's a major danger. But I don't know, I, I don't, these things, these Android Auto, these smartwatches, all these things that just trying to get a screen crammed into everything possible. Mm-hmm. I hate them, I hate them. I really, I really don't like them. Mm-hmm. I, I try to avoid them like the plague. It's better if a car has a traditional radio, traditional everything, mm-hmm. because it's far easier to maintain, far easier to sell the car later. It's just better. Well, yeah, the problem with Android Auto is the same problem that selling a phone has is that it's going to stop getting updates very quickly. Yeah. Well, the thing was, Android Auto, the idea behind it is, oh, you have your smartphone, and with a smartphone, you can just connect it up, and the smartphone manages the updates in the software and the firmware. Mm. But who knows if they change the spec, and then suddenly a ton of cars become incompatible, which I'm sure has happened before. Mm. So, the problem, yeah. Well, the big problem with things like that is the, uh, the 
the automotive industry moves notoriously slow. Like, you'll have a yeah, car exactly. come out, it'll have a brake issue, and then it'll take, like, six months to do a recall. Exactly, yeah. It is, it's it's very, very slow. So that kind of, these kind of fixes, if they, may, if they mess up once with Android Auto, some vulnerability in it or whatever, they can't fix that. And then as cars sort of get more uh, more computer controlled with, you know, the direction that like Tesla and stuff going. Even, exactly. It's going to become even, even more. The difference with Tesla is at least they're able to do they're over They're a tech the company updates. first. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that has massive implications being able to over the air update cars and not to mention paying for the over the air update sometimes. <laughs> but uh, having over the air updates like that's if you find a vulnerability, if I find a way to get into a Tesla and just do whatever complete control because it can self-drive if i'm able to find a vulnerability in the self-driving teslas that's homicide that's literally a way to kill people because a car can kill the people inside it mm. you can kill anyone outside so i don't i don't doubt the technology i don't doubt the ability to cars to drive themselves i don't doubt the ability of cars to be electric mm -hmm. i doubt strapping a computer on a car connecting it to the internet and passing updates to it mm -hmm. you better have the best security engineer best computer engineers in the world you better have the best guys best best security in the world or you're completely screwed yeah i think the yeah. only the only way that i would like trust no I, I don't i still don't like it the only way i would potentially trust a fully computer controlled a car is if it doesn't do over the air updates the only way to update it is to plug an ethernet cable into it exactly or plug in a usb with the flash mm. file, the little flash file and then flash to it or something like even that so like a, like you would do with a, with a with a router yeah yeah the, even so you still have the issue where i don't exactly want my brakes to be controlled by a computer yeah can i just like you want it to be a thing you can press yeah, yeah. I, I, I i like my manual brakes they're nice they work. Yeah. The solution is is that when it comes like, when it comes to a lot of these cars, a lot of people are moving within the automotive industry, as you said, moves very slowly. But they are generally shifting over to this idea mm -hmm. of what's the word again? Uh, well, it's not well drive by wire, but it's actually called originally fly by wire because mm -hmm. all this began with Air Force aircraft. And the idea is well, the problem with many Air Force aircraft is if you've ever looked at how one is built, mm -hmm. if you have any idea of aerodynamics. And the basic concepts of how you're meant to build a plane, nope. wrong. Right. These are built wrong. They're inherently aerodynamically unstable, at least the more modern ones. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at aircraft from the 1940s, before they had these computers, completely different shape, completely different everything. The reason they're designed differently these days is because it has various different advantages when it comes to like mobility. Mm -hmm. And to fix the problems of, hey, if I pull up on this manually, it's literally going to um, overcompensate and then flip me over and I'm going to die. To fix that every single control in modern fighter jets mm -hmm. and modern jets just for your information the recent last 10 years this has been shifting to all modern aircraft is fly by wire so you pull up you're not pulling up the computer thinks you're pulling up and the mm -hmm. computer knows how to make you pull up and the computer understands the nuances and aerodynamic effects so it can compensate properly as if you were just controlling it manually and the plane wasn't inherently flawed mm -hmm. so that same thing is happening with cars, mm -hmm. where soon you're going to be turning a steering wheel. You're not turning a steering wheel. You're turning a resistor or something that mm -hmm. actually turns then the wheel. The computer turns the wheels, and it's able to compensate and then fix the issues. So that the current currently most cars don't 
fully have this. Most cars have it where you drive, it's all physically manual, you have a physical handbrake, physical everything. Mm. Then the computer can intervene, but it's not forced and you yeah, can yeah. kill switch it. And we've seen this aircraft issue arise when aircraft, well, obviously you'll always have a manual control on an aircraft. It's always built in. But we've seen this problem arise when the computer has any power, any power at all. This problem has killed people. Like if you look at the 737 MAX, the MAX-8 model, MAX-9, all these models have the problem that, oh, um, well, once again, like with fighter jets, they have inherent instability or an inherent issue. Because if you've ever looked at a 737 jet, you've noticed that the plane, the plane's engines touch, almost touch the ground. If you mm -hmm. look at the rest, like relatively recent ones, they actually have to smush them at the end. It's, it's got like a circle shape and then it's mm -hmm. sort of like yeah, that on purpose so it doesn't scrape on the floor. With the Max, these new air, these new aircraft engines they have are much bigger. These new General Electric ones, and they cannot put them without completely changing the landing gear and making the plane higher. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they moved them forwards and up. So that causes an issue because now your center of mass is forwards. That causes aerodynamic instability, and the jets themselves are forwards. Your center of thrust is forwards. Now their plane's gonna go like this, like that. Mm -hmm. It's gonna start going up. That's no good. So what did they built in? Well, this was up to the computer engineers to fix. And they made this system called MCAS, which was, um, once again, an integrated system into the actual, uh, you know, Max. I, I don't really know, because they've been able to flash updates to this. So I'm, I doubt it being fully integrated. Like they got some system to flash updates to this. So it's more like a router, really. Right. But um, what they did was uh, this this was flawed. It had some issues in the programming. I, I don't really know if they, they have itself have published a full report on it. So nobody really knows, but point was it was going off when it wasn't meant to. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is there were two instances, one in Ethiopia, one in Indonesia where their aircraft was taking off and then the MCAS system overcompensated and didn't really fully understand the angle of attack that mm -hmm. aircraft was going at. And then went up and, killed it was tragedy it killed over 400 people I mean, around 400 people yep. that kind of a, <clears throat> amount of people and that's the problem with these cars with these planes with everything is that you're trusting a computer to do things mm -hmm. that used to be entirely human and humans are flawed don't get mm -hmm. me wrong humans make loves of mistakes and human mistake is inevitable but a computer can be designed to have issues it mm -hmm. can be designed and it's left that way forever if a human messes up, normally they can go through and they can say, all right, there's going to be this new training added and we're mm -hmm. going to train everybody correctly. <clears throat> With a computer, it's hard to track down every car and every plane. As you said, the automotive industry is slow. If there was an update with the Teslas or if there was some kind of system, unfixable patch with the Teslas that let me have complete or any anyone mm -hmm. have complete access to the Teslas and their control, just drive them anywhere, then you would have to recall all of them. And mm -hmm. that would take years to fix. They would have to flash every single one individually. If it's an unfixable patch, it's hardware level, or just got to do with the actual firmware, whatever they're on. I'm assuming they're running some kind of Linux or BSD on the Teslas or something like that. So yeah, that's that's my opinions on these sort of things. That's what I think. I think I could never, I feel like as, as we advance forward, we have to figure out a way to either recall things faster or just try to make the best code possible mm -hmm. because it's these sort of flaws and the lack of testing that leads to genuine death and hundreds of deaths because of a flawed computer system. So, yeah. It is a modified Ubuntu distribution on the Tesla. Oh, okay, I see. Mm. Mm. On that note, uh, how did you actually get into Linux? That's a really good question. So, let's see, I was 11. Um, it was morning. 
uh, there was my grandfather's old computer. So uh, I was given the task. I don't, I don't remember if anybody told me this, but I wanted to do this. I wanted to take that computer and fix it up and use it for something. Mm -hmm. So I went online mm -hmm. and I, well, first of all, I was gonna, I was just gonna reinstall Windows XP on it because that's what it already ran. So I wanted to reinstall Windows XP. So mm -hmm. I reinstalled Windows XP. I flash it onto a little CD um, and then boom, starting on Windows XP. Oh, ethernet drivers don't work. Mm -hmm. So I scour the whole house for a CD with the ethernet drivers, no luck. So what do I do next? Well, there's this thing, there's this operating system alternative called Linux. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what's this? So I go to a different house or, you know, just, you know, a different computer. I download the Ubuntu 16.04 ISO and then I flash that onto a little flash, you know, burn it onto a DVD. I bring that over, I put it in the computer, I, I boot it up and mm -hmm. there it was, Ubuntu for the first time. So what captivated me about Linux, the terminal. I know a lot of people begin with Linux, they're they're captivated by different things like, mm -hmm. oh, how themeable it is, or I can customize everything or whatever. For me, the main thing was, oh, I can type a command here and then it installs something, I can type it and then I download. Like this thing shocked me to the core. I understood the concept of a terminal interface, whether it be from playing too much Minecraft or running Minecraft servers on Windows, but mm -hmm. I did not fully comprehend the concept that, hey, yeah. from the terminal, I can do everything. I have complete power of the system. So that's where my fascination began. I just downloaded every distro I knew, uh, Elementary OS, uh, everything. Um, tried Lubuntu, I tried um, LXDE distributions, a lot of stuff like that. Um, I remember I'd been trying, what's it called? Buda Linux? Uh, Baldi Linux. Body Linux, that that thing. So I tried loads of distributions. I eventually settled on well, Ubuntu as yeah. the final distribution. Of, but what I primarily ran on, run on my machine is Arch Linux. Mm -hmm. Although I used to run Manjaro and Artix is okay as well. So that's how I got into Linux. It was just because I wanted to bring up a computer back and then the terminal and all that kind of stuff captivated me. So that's how it was. Okay, that's a fairly common story to be honest. Like I've, I've had people give me like some really ancient stories like oh i discovered this cd that had a button to order or whatever no oh. it's just like i wanted to bring a computer back to life that's no fascinatingly though i did i did do something like that hmm. the ubuntu cd i i made it more dvd i i, hmm. I made it myself but i did find it just a year ago around the year ago hmm. i i came back to that same place with that computer that i had first installed the ubuntu on and um i had i found among the listed cds and stuff i found one for mandrake Oh, look at that. And my grandfather had been testing out Mandrake uh, when he was in the 1990s or early 2000s. So that's a nice little coincidence. I'm not the first person to tinker with Linux in the whole family. So <laughs> that's a great thing to know. So that that's my only little note on that. Oh, that's cool. I've only been using Linux for like two or so years. Everyone I, I speak to has been using it way longer than I have. Uh, I've not been using it since I was 11. <laughs> I used it on that computer. I had the basic ah. ideas and concepts of Linux in my head. Uh, but I went back to my own Because you wanted to play video games. I eventually got it. <laughs> I didn't really play lots of video games on Windows. I've never been a huge gaming guy. I've always mm. just been a guy who loves making videos. Yeah, and exactly. video editing software on Linux was just no good. And the hardware I had couldn't run Resolve on Linux. Now I can. So mm. I edit all my videos in Resolve. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, I would just use Windows. But eventually... Uh, the reason I got really big into Linux was my channel, really. So mm -hmm. I began making videos called Just Use. Mm -hmm. So I make Just Use Krita, Just Use GIMP. I made videos on the software that I had been using for so long. GIMP, Krita, Audacity, that kind of stuff. And I loved it. So I wanted to make videos about them just as a pointer for people to say, hey, you're not meant to pay for Adobe software. Use this instead. So 
as I did more of those, I slowly discovered, hey, like all this software I've been using is open source. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? All the software, you know, all these things, they're all compatible with Linux as well. Like, and then slowly, 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 I sort of put the pieces together in my head. It's like, oh, I don't even need Windows anymore. Mm -hmm. So I switched over to Pop OS. Uh, then I tried Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. Then I tried Manjaro. And I love Manjaro. It's not that good, really, not looking back at it. A lot of people have issues with it. And then I, then I slowly learned more and more and more and more and more. It took me a while, but then I finally was able to install and begin using Arch Linux, and I've never really looked back. I mean, I have fired up Windows a few times to do a couple of things, mm. but once again, I'm not someone who loves gaming. And the few gaming, the little gaming that I do, it's normally emulation or stuff that runs perfectly well on Linux. So. Mm. Yeah, you, M Minecraft's going to run yeah. perfectly fine on Linux. You're good there. <laughs> yeah. And also, another big inspiration was servers. I love servers. I love self-hosting. Mm. So Linux, just learning Linux at home, mm -hmm. on the desktop, taught me more about servers than I could have ever learned doing anything else. Like, yeah. if, I feel like if I would have just began using Linux as a, as a server operating system, I would have been so bored to death because I had just no motivation. But seeing everything on my desktop, being able to directly control mm -hmm. it, and then learning that same system for a server, that, that taught me a lot. So yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, I sort of feel the exact same way. Like I know people who sort of got interested in Linux from like system administration. I'm like, you're a weird unit. I don't know how you managed to do that. That sounds incredibly boring. Sounds painful. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to begin as a sysadmin, then well, it's, it's not like doing your professional like. sysadmin stuff. It's like I wanted to set up like a Minecraft server and just like start from there. It's like oh, that I, I couldn't do it. Like I, I, I like doing stuff on the Linux desktop. Yes, I do a lot of stuff in the terminal. I run a lot of terminal applications, but like so, having yeah. the option to do something graphically when I, I want to do that is much nicer. That is true. Yeah. So, but the thing is for me, it's really about, so I've always loved self-hosting. It's like I've told you before, when, before I even tried Linux, I had been into stuff like set up a Minecraft server, but it was always on Windows mm. and they had to do stuff like, oh, make this script to launch it with the proper option of the Java. And then on the Minecraft download page, they have all the instructions and all that kind of stuff. And my brain was slowly piecing together. Oh, on Windows, there's scripting functionalities. I wonder how it is on Linux. And on Linux, it's like a million times better. It's been developed to the edge, and you can do practically anything thanks to the Unix utilities and whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it just sort of unleashes potential that have already that has already been there for me to do crazy stuff with servers. And now there are entire things that you can run in only with scripts. Like there's a great script by Luke Smith called LB. Uh, Luke's blog or, mm -hmm. or less bloat or whatever you want to call it. And it's an excellent bash script that sets up your own static HTML blog. And I set that up on my website works perfectly fine. That's entirely been in, in scripts and that, that's only possible on Linux. You can't do that on windows or you, if you can, you have to download some software that imitates Unix utilities. Mm. So that's really what inspired me to get into sysadmining because it was all, I had already done it before I've been on windows and then learning all this stuff on Linux using it graphically on my desktop and being able to see what I'm doing. And then that sort of translated its way to, oh, just using a terminal again on uh, and a server, like a Debian server or something like that. Mm -hmm. So are you running, what are, what are you running on your Arch system? Are you running a desktop environment, window manager? What are you doing? I'm running OpenBox. Okay. Uh, I have used um, DWM and um, a few, uh, I used to use KDE a lot. I love KDE. It's very good, but I just can't see myself using it a lot, mostly because I'm I just I I can't stand the bloat. I'm sorry. I need the few as few megabytes as possible of RAM used at the moment. Just I need to have it, and I also want to understand what's running on my system. Mm -hmm. I want to feasibly look at my HTOP menu and say that's this, that's that, that's that. That's that, 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 that. I want to understand it. 
And the great thing about a window manager is it forces you to sit down and decide, I need this, I need mm -hmm. that, I need this, I don't need this, I need this, I need that. And that lets you construct your own environment so you mm -hmm. know exactly what's running and you have more control. So that's what I love about this, like window managers. And what I love about Openbox is that it's it's just from LXDE. So, and I, I don't know about other people, but I, I, I enjoy floating windows. I enjoy tiling windows, but I just can't go away from floating windows. It's just something that I find more aesthetically pleasing. It's just a weird thing about me, but yeah, that's what I'm running on Arch Linux. Okay. I haven't used Openbox myself. Um, yeah, maybe I'll try it out at some point, but I'm not a, I don't really care too much for floating. Like I use some floating windows. Usually I will use floating windows where it just sort of makes more sense. Like right now I've got, say my notes, for example, floating above all my other stuff, just cause it, I want it to yeah. be in a spot where I can easily see it. But most of my other mm -hmm. stuff, I don't really care where it's placed and it just makes more sense for me to just have that be tiling. Yeah. Tiling makes sense most of the time. Like 90 It makes of a lot of sense sometimes. if you're lazy and don't care where stuff's placed. Exactly. But it, you need floating sometimes. At least I just need floating sometimes. I need to be able to minimize a window and look at my desktop, which yeah, is yeah. normally blank. I never set wallpapers, or at least if I do, it's very rarely. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I could never use a window manager that's purely tiling. It just wouldn't. Like I. It wouldn't be normal. Some applications just don't play nicely with tiling either. Yeah, that, that is true. It it also just feel feels odd, but. Odd feelings go away after you get used to things. I guess so, yeah. Uh, but the first time I fired up DWM and um, you know loaded up like Krita or something, it just was, gave me this really weird feeling, and I, I don't know, I can't stick to window managers that are entirely just, just, just like tiling. Luckily, DWM has functions you can build into it, functions where you can yeah, yeah. do float in windows, so that's good as well. When it's a program like that, I just full screen it, and then just it's fine. Yeah. But GIMP, for example, you can make the um, the tool elements floating. And yeah, if you don't them have separate. them floating in a tiling window manager, they'll just tile somewhere and it looks very odd. Yeah. <laughs> I like having it all in one window though. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, I think when I was using it on Windows, though, the Windows version does default to having stuff like float around like that rather than being all in one window. That's weird. It never defaulted to that for me, but okay. Okay. Maybe it was just the version I was using. Or maybe I just, I don't know, there's yeah. something weird going on. I think they removed that default after a certain um, mm. version 2.9, I think. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's been a while since I've run GIMP on uh, on Windows. Yeah. I It was never it was never good on Windows because it is... It's so slow at booting up. It's yeah. just so slow. It's ridiculous. It's actually still a GTK2 app as well, which is also a lot of fun. Mm. <laughs> uh, let's see. What, what do we have on here? Um, Gee, a few other topics. Oh, I've got a ton. Um, oh, there's actually some work being done with WSL to get um, Windows apps running. Uh, sorry, Linux apps running under Windows. Uh, no, Linux GUI apps. Under like with WSL. Yeah, with, with WSL. That was I said that really oh. terribly. Getting Lin uh, Linux GUI apps running on WSL. There we go. Got there eventually. Oh. Um, Weren't they, weren't they supposed to support that like a while ago? Didn't they say they were going to support that a while ago? Like, they I'm did, pretty sure but... they announced WSL2 and then they said, oh yeah, GUI apps are coming, like that sort of thing. Didn't they say that? Yeah, they did. Um, but I guess they're coming now. <laughs> oh, okay. They've been a work in progress for <laughs> well, a while. I mean, what's the point? Most of the stuff that is on Linux is open source. There's probably a Windows port. So I'm assuming that's because if you're dealing with WSL, maybe you want a way to interact directly graphically with your Linux system. That sounds mm. so odd. Like, why would you, 
I, I don't really see any reasons for that because like the idea I'm assuming here is that I develop a program, either it's for development purposes, so I can see directly how it would look like on Linux, which makes sense. Only problem is why don't you just run a Linux virtual machine for that? Um, second of all, I'm assuming it's meant to be so you can run either software software that is exclusive for Linux mm -hmm. or software that you want to use to interact with your WSL system graphically. I mean, you're I, meant to be able to do everything from the terminal. Like, I, I don't really know what sort of application this has, yeah, but I, don't know. I guess if people like it. I, I can't think of a single Linux app that I'd want to run on like on WSL that doesn't already have a Windows version. Exactly, yeah. Like it's difficult to think about. Like the only thing I thought of is just using it so you can use it exclusively in WSL, so you can do stuff with your WSL. Like mm. so if you interact directly, like that's the only thing I think of. But would you do that? Uh, I don't know. But it's not doing it's anything confusing. uh anything super complicated to get it to work. Basically it's just going to start up a uh it's gonna start up Wayland, start up an X server, and also start oh, up like Wayland. Pulse Audio and just it's gonna work. Oh, okay. Uh so just gotta pass through those. Basically, two. yeah, it's just gonna pass through. I never thought I'd see Wayland running on Windows. Mm. It seems like it's gonna get actually that's actually kind of interesting because I wonder if that means it's gonna work with the NVIDIA drivers, in which case, um, NVIDIA, <laughs> NVIDIA, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they, they, they did announce that they are going to add Wayland support at some point. I saw it on Pharonix. Mm. Hold up, let's see if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, they did say um, in the next version of the NVIDIA drivers, uh, there yeah. will be better support. They didn't decide what better means, but better. Yeah. Hold up, let me look if I can find this page specifically. Yeah, if you can find it, send it through. some point. I think somebody said it about it. Because I know for a fact you can get, what was it called? SDL programs running mm -hmm. under Wayland. Because those just, you know, run with. That's completely different. But uh, here it is. NVIDIA 470 Linux driver to be even more Wayland friendly, but not Wayland compatible? <laughs> it's hilarious. That's like saying I'm going to be even more alcohol free. Like, what does that mean? I don't drink, just for clarification. It's just an example. But <laughs> what is this meant to be? I don't know. But Michael Larabel in NVIDIA posted this, and he said, the next major NVIDIA driver series, the 470, is slated to be even more Wayland friendly. This was posted on 5th of March, 2021, so a while mm. ago. All right. Well, hopefully, I mean, they'll probably have Wayland support at some point, but it'd just be better if they made the drivers open source. Then again... One thing I didn't notice about the Mesa drivers for AMD cards mm. and just integrated things that they are open source and they're excellent, but you do need to download separate components from Vulkan sometimes yeah. and, and open like that kind of stuff, which, you know, is perfectly fine. But maybe newer people might be a little confused by that if they're coming from the NVIDIA drivers. Mm. So if they do open source stuff, that might cause a little bit of confusion for some people because they're like, oh, I need, I need to install NVIDIA dash Vulkan, NVIDIA dash this, NVIDIA that kind of stuff. Well, they can still keep them bulked like all grouped together like they don't yeah, have to separate it out but the nature of open source is yeah fragmented so it's easier to develop on one yeah. part and the other and the other and the other like the, and chances are nvidia does it that way and then they just put it all together and then release it like that's probably what they do internally <clears throat> hopefully i would hope so i hope that it's just yeah just make it it's all in a giant a mess here github project nvidia driver and then it's just illegible nobody can understand don't even separate out the g-force and the quadro drivers just put them all exactly in it's just the same one i mean then again they probably are the same drivers just like a setting has changed so 
professional programs run better with an artificial cap on the GeForce drivers. Uh, NVIDIA, NVIDIA, NVIDIA. Yeah, I I intentionally didn't. Like, I, I bought this system just before the um the big hardware crisis that we have Ooh, right boy. now. And I'm very happy I did not buy NVIDIA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the prices for those are completely crazy. I was Every graphics card. Prices not too long ago in Australia, and I think actually, you know, we're gonna find out how much it's gonna cost me to buy a thirty ninety. Uh, Let's see how much uh, a more reasonable twenty seventy costs on eBay.com. With if shipping. you can find it on eBay, good yeah. luck. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't have it on Amazon either. So let me check on Amazon. So twenty seventy on eBay goes for. Only two hundred and sixty dollars, and then there's one going for four twenty dollars. Very mm-hmm. very funny man. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, Nvidia GTX twenty seven. Let's see what Amazon has to say about this. Mm. There is one for sale. This is in UAE currency, not in dollars. So I don't know exactly how to tell you. Oh, fascinatingly, when you search up uh, twenty seventy, rather than selling you a graphics card, they're trying to sell you laptops that have twenty seventies in them. Okay. Beautiful. Well, that that's something, I guess. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Like, because laptops are generally like a, a better way—not better, but in theory, more efficient way of constructing hardware. Those are probably going to be the most resistant mm-hmm. to things like uh, hardware shortages because normally they just built a hundred of them and then they're ready, mm. and it's a whole system that already functions and it's it's all there. I'm pretty sure you can probably find single graphics cards for sale. That cost more than a laptop mm-hmm. with well, a similar graphics card, if not the same graphics card, because the prices have hiked up just so so high. Uh, would you like a uh, a twenty four gig uh, RTX thirty ninety? Because it's going to cost you four thousand six hundred Australian dollars, which is <laughs> about thirty five hundred uh, US. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's like what is that like? Uh, that's a that's a good that what i spent on my car <laughs> yeah around it's like you just gonna buy a new car isn't that a, isn't that even more than how much the previous quadro costs not the quadro i is don't even quadro? know Let, which what, one can you even buy quadros right now that's a question i don't know i don't even know um uh, i obviously quadros wouldn't be a good mining card surely not maybe i, I don't know the, the... <sighs> the rdx 4000 costs yes it costs less it costs literally less to buy an RDX 4000. Excellent. <laughs> it costs like $2,000. Jeez. All right. But it ha- oh, has only 8 gigs of uh, VRAM. So yeah, that's well. Consider- well, it's still a Quadro RTX. Mm. It's like cra- uh, when it comes, thing is, this is the shortage. Some people think it's up to mining. Some people th- think it's like a higher demand for electronics. Some people think it's like a silicon shortage. It's sort of these things, really, mm. that's causing this. Like, crypto's a big thing, obviously. You know, people are spending money. Then there's just people wanting more GPUs. There's lots lots more people gaming these days. There's lots more people who want to buy this sort of stuff. Then there's a genuine silicon shortage that's mm-hmm. been showing up in the recent days because of this. So that's how it is. Um, I don't really know when this will be over. But, hey, if there's something important that it will teach mm-hmm. hardware manufacturers is that either ramp up your supply, which is very difficult to do because you don't expect there to be a pandemic you don't expect there to be crypto boom you don't mm-hmm. expect these things and also i guess try to make a a, 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 a circuit that is as efficient as possible a, a a piece of hardware that uses the least silicon and materials as mm-hmm. possible try to make it as minimalist as possible 
just so you can sell it for a lower price, at least sell it at a lower loss mm -hmm. for some of these people. So yeah, I guess that sort of teaches them that, but I don't know. I think the only uh, bit of commuter hardware you can buy very easily right now is uh, hard drives. Hard drives are dirt cheap Ooh. right now. Mm, yeah, they are very cheap. Um, I recently bought an SSD recently for, <laughs> for very cheap. But um, recently people have been talking about how, I've seen a few posts on many places about that. They keep talking about this new cryptocurrency called Chia, which is an entire cryptocurrency based off mining with, um, instead of mining just directly, like mm -hmm. for your information, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm assuming you understand the basic concept of crypto mining, yeah, yeah. the idea that you just, oh, yeah. so instead of mining like that. Uh, yeah, okay, I see it, yep. Yeah, you basically, what you do is you randomize hashes, you randomize, you randomize different plots, they're called. So you write little different, it's, I think there's a great video Mental Outlaw made where he explained it, where you basically just like, imagine making a bunch of lottery tickets mm -hmm. and then selecting random numbers on each one and then just waiting for somebody to call them in like a bingo. That's what this is. And I have set up a plot for Chia just to see how it works. It takes like five hours to plot something. It's ridiculous. But um, you basically get all these little files that are these lottery tickets mm -hmm. or containers of different hashes and random stuff. And if at some point the blockchain finds a block and that block corresponds to your thing, you get free money. Mm -hmm. Now, at the moment, nobody even knows if this is worth it because, hey, what if Chia, it's not listed on any exchanges. Nobody knows how much it's worth. So you could have it. You could have like 100 Chia or whatever. It's worth like two cents or something uh... like that. So that is a distinct possibility. But yeah, that's just how it is. It's at the moment. Who knows what will happen in the future? So if that goes up, if that goes crazy, if one Chia is worth like 20 cents or something and mm -hmm. people begin, there's already like 170. I saw this because the Chia Damon shows you this mm -hmm. 170 more than 100. I can actually I'll, I'll check it right now. Okay. See if I can find it. Um, it's like 100 and something petabytes of people mining this. So 170 petabytes of plots. So data on hard disks and SSDs uh -huh. that has been dedicated to this. If that becomes profitable, think of the hard drive prices and SSD prices. That, <laughs> that little bastion of success, these cheap SSDs, cheap hard drive, gone, no more. You don't get those anymore. Those are gone. No, mining time. Yeah, that's that could happen. Yeah, someone did ask me if I'd seen uh, Mental Outlaws video on this, and I hadn't, but... Okay, uh, I take I'd back what I said then. Chia a long while ago, before Mental Outlaws video. I'd seen about it like weeks before that was uploaded and mm. I had began looking into it. But after his video, I was like, oh yeah, this is all sort of coming together. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be successful. I, I doubt that it's really super good because yes, it is an alternative way of mining and that's a clever idea. It's mm -hmm. supposedly environmentally friendly, which I doubt a bit. The idea behind mining is you're randomly generating hashes. The idea behind this is you basically have a, a long session of just randomly generating stuff, like with mining. Mm -hmm. But this time it's just one session, then it stops, and you're just using hard drive space. There is a tool on the Chia Blockchain Explorer that what it does is it, it calculates based off how much Chia space is being used, so mm -hmm. 170 petabytes or something. It estimates how much power is currently being uh -huh. used. And at the moment, it's sitting at somewhere like 800,000 watts. At 800,000 watts, that's like 100 computers. Mm -hmm. And there's far more than 100 computers mining Chia. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a good sign, sort of. 
but obviously it depends on hardware manufacturer, depends on what sort of power suppliers, depends on so many things. So there's really no distinct way to tell, but that's how it is. But, um, and I hope that, what what is it? I was going to say, but the, the problem with this coin is that it's not on a single exchange, so. Exactly. Who knows? Like, that's the problem. But the problem is if it gets on exchanges, if it goes up in value, hard drive prices are, are done for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess in in the beginning of Mental Outlaw's video, he says that he says, "Oh, buy hard drives now, buy them now before before it's too late," and he has a point. I mean, I'm lucky that I bought that SSD before any of this Chia stuff begins to blow up. But who knows? I just it all just might completely crash, which it might happen. So nobody knows. Yeah, I'm wait. I'm waiting for the crash. I want I want my crypto yeah. millions. Uh, please, please, down, down. Yeah, yeah. Their time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, everything is Bitcoin has crashed. It went from like. It used to be sixty thousand at some point. Now it's gone fifty five thousand. It's fifty thousand. It, it it does keep cracking. Mm. Yeah, I, I I wish I'd bought at the like start of Corona. I did make money off of the the rise we've had, but if I bought back at the start, that would have been oh, I'd I'd be retired a lot. Yeah. No, but but the thing with cryptocurrency, just like just like the stock market, just like all these things, it is gambling. The only certainty you can have is coins like Bitcoin, coins like maybe ethereum maybe monero are going to go up generally in value over time because more people are going to be interested in the technology mm. interested in investing in technology interested in, in using it so that's the assumption you're going to make but if you're investing in like some random one-off coin like the one that i saw recently it's called pirate chain so, yeah i did there's a lot of people getting really into pirate chain in my yeah, pirate chain went up i remember seeing it back when it was six cents it's like oh that'd be interesting mm. i bought a bit of it then I was like, this is bull crap. So I went out. Now it's 15 times the value. Yeah, it is So the, I did a bad decision there. It is the most anonymous cryptocurrency, according to them. That's a lie, but I don't believe them. I don't believe them one bit. Um, it seems like a scam, a pump and dump scheme or something like that. Fair. I genuinely, I don't, I trust Monero. I don't trust Pouch. That's fair. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just looking at the graph and it's just like up. Oh, you got to check this out. The The best white paper I've ever seen is the Wow Narrow white paper. So if you go to the Wow Narrow website, uh -huh. you can get their white paper. So Wow Narrow, you know, it's the it's the meme coin based off Monero. Yeah. We actually have a mining pool for that. I haven't set it up on my server. In fact, that's why I bought the SSD to start mining pools. But um, they have a really good white paper. I think it, it highlights every single aspect of what really makes a really good meme coin. And mm. it's, it's, a, it's a great white paper. I definitely recommend you reread it if you have the time. So if you search it up right now, you'll find it. It's it's just like I it's 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 good basically. I clicked on their their white paper and it took me to a blank PDF. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the uh, the PDF? Yeah, that's the white paper. Okay. <laughs> okay, sure. That's the, it's a white paper. It's a white paper. Yeah. That's fair. Um I, I, I keep hearing about... Okay, there's all these, like, meme tokens that are showing up, and I love but it. No, you don't, you'll never believe it, but Wow Nero has boomed past Doge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it literally... It, it exploded overnight. It's ridiculous. Now, not many exchanges list it, but they do list it. Like, some exchanges say it's value, so... Mm -hmm. It's not estimated. It's it's on coin market cap. It's official. That's... It's valued at like one dollar and something. It has surpassed Dogecoin, which is insane. Okay, um, which yeah reiterates the point that Dogecoin, you know, it's not a superior product to anything mm -hmm. like Bitcoin or whatever. 
and something like wow narrow wow narrow genuinely is superior to most other cryptocurrencies maybe you can make the case that ethereum is better because of the smart contract because mm. ether is used as a currency um but well narrow and monero by extension are superior well narrow has the advantage of having a limited supply so not only is it better than most other cryptos but it has an advantage over monero if you have the opinion that maybe monero's infinite supply is not a good idea mm -hmm. so if you want to use a coin that has limited supply for supposedly more stable value i guess i don't really know what they mean by that uh, then you can use Wownero. So mm -hmm. that's why some people genuinely accept both Wownero and Monero as donations. So, yeah. Since we're on the topic of crypto, um, the other day in Australia, I saw a hashtag on Twitter. Uh, it was hashtag cumrocket. Now, I did not know what cumrocket was, but it is another cryptocurrency. Um, Hold up. Yes. Uh, Let's take a look at this. I've already asked. Oh boy, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a look at this. Oh, it has been booming. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's at twenty. It's at two cents. Fifty yep. freaking do. I have no idea how long this is gonna last, but this is pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> according to Benzinga.com, uh, it surged six hundred and thirty-four percent in a single day. It appears to have done that. Yes, that it shows up here on Coin Market Cap. Its current value, as I said, is on two cents. It's up sixteen percent today. It's falling a bit, um, and supposedly it has a market cap of two hundred nine million dollars. So that's worth more than loads on the of one exchange it's on. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. Let me check on my exchange. See if I can buy some. See if I can buy some glorious cum rocket. It's only on our pancake swap right now, but um. I expect it will be listed soon. <laughs> so this Let's coin is look. like an absolute meme coin. Um, the the short yeah. so the 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 project is called Cum Rocket Crypto, but the shorthand name for the actual coin yeah, is Cummies. Is, yeah. Oh boy! Let's see what their white paper says. Uh, so oh, wait, it has a proper white paper. What does it say? It's a deflationary token that operates on the Binance Smart Chain. Oh, that's oh, garbage. Oh, not Binance. Uh, Cumrocket's main goal is to tap into the... Oh, I can't say that word. <laughs> okay, so let me just say, it's... it's You know how they use Ethereum to sell NFTs? Yes, this is to, to sell NFTs of... This anime is girls. to sell NFTs of... Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> wait, what's the... anime girls. Yes. Yeah, this is oh no, but this has been going up in value. So if you bought some of this, you're you're doing good for yourself now. People I don't know, like let's be honest, that industry, it's a horrible industry. It's a terrifying industry. But it it dictates economies. It dictates it dictates technologies. Mm -hmm. VHS, why did that succeed? Because of that industry. So who knows? But anyway, yeah, I guess that's a, a fascinating thing to learn about today. I knew somebody would have named a cryptocurrency like that. Three letters, boom, mm -hmm. instantly. Perfect. Perfect plan. Um, why was it, it... Australia was the only place it was trending. That's the weird thing. Well, it's on the Binance Smart Chain, so a lot of people might not trust it fully, or at least don't like it because it's not technically like decentralized. Mm. Crypto. Crypto is a weird space. Yeah, it is. It is definitely weird, but it's working for some people. There's some places where you buy things entirely in crypto tangible goods. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good idea. Only problem is they're basically limited by value in 
fiat. Mm -hmm. So prices on websites are constantly changing. If I buy something now in Dogecoin, a few minutes from now, the price may have completely changed and I could have gotten ripped off or gotten a deal. So that's the problem with it is people don't treat it as a currency as much as they treat it as some kind of magical stock or security mm -hmm. that they can use. And this has been sort of what the SEC has been talking about with LBRY mm -hmm. and Odyssey, where they've been trying to convince them that it is a security. That's an entirely different argument. I do need to take a look at the SEC's proper case on this because I I think they might have a point. They might. Um, or something um, like that. Let's see. But have have you seen um <clears throat> there is some pretty amazing things uh in so three this investigation is going on for three years and um there's some pretty amazing mm -hmm. questions that the uh the sec was asking library <laughs> um, <laughs> what are they okay I'm gonna, I'll, I'll i'll read some out for you so uh let's see uh no that one's not that funny let's go to the next one next one uh no show me the next picture thank you uh where is it ah here we go why did library maintain its website in 2016 that was the first question and jeremy asks uh jeremy answers are you asking why a company has a website yeah for the record uh and jeremy says companies have websites no 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 i'm asking why library has a website the library had a website so there was a place who could go to learn that library exists and learn about and download and so read I about can it. use it. Uh, ah, here we go. Why did library intend... Wait. Did, uh, sorry. Did library intend that its post would be accurate? Yes. And why did library intend that it its post would be accurate? You're asking why we intend to be accurate. Yeah. Uh, my general intent is life is... Uh, my general intent in life is to be exclusively accurate. Not everybody shares that view. I understand that. Uh, so I'm trying to yeah. figure out what library's intent was. I would not feel comfortable running a company that did not strive to be accurate. Well, the SEC is an interesting beast. Um, they operate differently from a lot of parts of the U.S. Mm. federal government, although I'm not an expert by any means. But they, unlike something like if this was a serious issue, they would have definitely brought in the FBI. Mm -hmm. if this was actually something they considered a massive fraud. Yeah, yeah. So clearly, if the SEC, if, if the SEC is coming in, it's probably just a case they don't consider super high profile. But the, the main question here is, is LBC a security? And that's, that's, that's a good question mm -hmm. because you got to ask yourself, on one hand, is somebody manipulating the prices on uh, the LBRY network on odyssey.com? Are people changing their prices for videos? Are people changing it based off the value of LBC? Mm -hmm. Some people might be, but most people... And the view reward is normally set at a certain amount. Mm. It's capped or something. So it's not like they're going to start paying you less or more based off like um, your view reward is set based off your success. It's not based off the value of LBC. One day you could be getting a million dollars per view. One day you could be getting a cent, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. At the moment, it's at like zero. For me, it's like 0 0.3 something. Yeah, LBC yeah. for you might be different. For people, it's different. So by every view that from a verified Odyssey account or whatever. So the question here is, am I earning more or less money from this? Uh, well, it depends because if you intend to exchange LBC for money that you can use to buy other things, then yes, obviously it is a security. It changes value. It's been crashing recently too. Mm. It's at 14 cents. It's, a, it's been completely plummeting straight yep. into the drink, um, but it's going to go up probably. I think there's lots of interest in, lots of interest in Odyssey and LBRY. But anyway, 
That's besides the point. So it, from that perspective, it is a security problem. From the perspective of a website using a token mm. for people to trade with each other that coincidentally can also be traded for other tokens that may or may not be able to be traded for real money, then it's not really a security because I send you five library credits, you send me five library credits. I watch this video, I pay five library credits to watch this video. I support this creator, I send them two library credits as a donation on the video. Uh, my decisions aren't dictated by how much LBC is worth. Mm -hmm. I'm not deciding, not I'm, I'm not given a, a prompt or any kind of screen where I can see what the monetary value mm -hmm. of that is. They only have that on the Android app. Yeah, That's the only criticism I think I have. They shouldn't have that on the Android. They need to de-emphasize the concept of currency in it, I think, mm -hmm. to some extent. And also there's the question, doesn't this invalidate all cryptos? Because all cryptocurrencies are securities. Um, I think they're specifically targeting LBRY because they don't explicitly market themselves as a currency. If you go to LBRY, the other problem is that they are an unregistered security. Like if if a project decided to register themselves as a security, the SEC would have no problem with them. Mm. That's then that brings us back to the question of is it a security? Yeah, or not? yeah. So that's just a debate for them to settle in court, not for us to settle here. I'm not one to give financial advice or financial. Anything, I, really. I don't know I don't enough know. about the US legal system to say whether or not it is a security. Like exactly. people have asked me to do a video on this and like I I, I, I wait get, get the lawyers to do it. I don't know what to say. Yeah, get somebody else to do it. But I mean, I think if it doesn't really matter because LBY is decentralized, the blockchain is hosted on many computers, you could always watch the videos, you can always do everything. So it's not of concern whether they get shut down. I would really not want them to get shut mm. down. But if they get shut down or not get shut down, it's not going to be a massive impact. Somebody's going to come along and host an instance of Odyssey or host stuff like that so they can have it all. Speaking of Odyssey, they, they're making a mobile app for it. They're yep. making lots, loads of progress, adding loads of new things. Yeah, I think it's going to be excellent. Um, I've enjoyed all my time with LBRY since I first began using it uh, early last year. Yeah, okay. Um, I synced over my late last year, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's been excellent. I loved every second of it. I find it to be a, so much more refreshing than YouTube. It pays more than YouTube. Um, even through entirely donations, people, mm. I've genuinely made more money off LBRY than I've ever made off YouTube. It's excellent. Um, yeah, so that's how it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've got one more amazing SEC question. Uh, <laughs> and holders of credits, if the value goes up, would have greater value, correct? It is true that if someone owns something and it increases in price, that person has more money. If something goes up in value, it goes up in value. What a brilliant question the SEC has. That's more of a statement than a question. <laughs> I think they're just making. If if I, if it wasn't the SEC or if it if if this wasn't you know also publicized and all, it might just be some kind of move to just shut them down because they don't like LBRY in well, some other capacity, like some excuse. This isn't the only project they've uh, gone after. Like the other big project they're going after right now is uh, Ripple. Oh yeah, Ripple. Uh, but that one had a massive crash when the uh, the thing first came out, and then it s just shot up in value. And it's yeah, likely the same that. thing will happen with library as well, because one thing that has been happening dur uh, during all of this, uh, I can't confirm this, but what I've been told from people who are involved with library is that the users have mm -hmm. just continued to go up as they've always been going up. Oh, that... I expect that to happen because people are really fed up with YouTube. They're tired of, at least if you make videos on YouTube. And the great thing about Odyssey is they offer the tools for you to sync over YouTube. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to think about it. I I left it over for 
five months. I, I, I turned out in the sink late November last mm -hmm. year. I came back five months later. Oh, I have like 2,000 LBRY credits just left there mm -hmm. in the, oh, whoop de doo So no, it, was a, no, it wasn't 2,000. It was 1,000 or something. Yeah, yeah, but, okay. yeah. Like I just left it there. I never touched it. I never went there. I never checked anything. Never staked anything in any videos. I just left it mm -hmm. and boom, money um, and, and success. And people were watching my videos. The most viewed video, ironically, was a video that had been taken off YouTube by YouTube. The YouTube DL one? Yeah. I had the exact same thing and That's my most viewed video on all. Yeah, exactly. Friggin' YouTube DL videos and they were taken down. That That's my most popular video because people watched the YouTube video, then went over to Odyssey to watch it. I think more and more people can watch on Odyssey because you can sync over the YouTube channel. Mm. Don't even need to think about it. That's what genius about it. You don't even need to switch over. Just use YouTube mm. and then leave it over. And then, then boom, success. You're helping the platform without actually doing anything, just making your regular That's genius. I think that's a very, very good tactic. Only problem is now they're going to have to work out a way to manage all those YouTube downloads and manage it with the YouTube API and download the description and stuff and all that kind of stuff. So. Mm. Yeah, I know you could do it all with YouTube DL, but there's probably more they got to do with the YouTube API to actually make sure they know when new videos come up and the yeah. ratings and the tags, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you initially um, find Odyssey? Because I, I found it because some of the guys who are like really big fans of it started like pestering me in my comments. Mm -hmm. I found it out because of the Linux gamer. Mm. I would watch the Linux gamer and he's like, oh, check me out on LBY. Oh, what's LBRY? And I went to LBRY and I'm like, oh, well, this is what it is. It's just like YouTube, but better. Um, this is like, yeah, once again, like early last year. And I thought it was really cool. So I signed up an account. I started uploading some of my videos, uh, but then I just stopped. And then I was like, all right, let's just refresh all of this. I deleted it all, mm -hmm. created a new account. <laughs> no, I didn't create a new account. I used the same account, but yeah, yeah. reclaimed the same name and then synced over my YouTube channel. And then boom, Odyssey. Well, it was on LBRY. Yeah, it was, it was library TV well, at that point, yeah. Yeah, yeah LBRY.TV. Um, they didn't have the sync feature at first but when when odyssey was introduced then when people began telling me about odyssey i was like oh well this is you know you shouldn't use this you should use lbry.tv because they didn't know it was the same thing mm -hmm. then i went there i'm like hmm this interface reminds me of something and then i look at oh this is lbry yeah that's genius only problem is it's confusing for consumers the problem yeah that that is one of the big issues it's the same sort of problem like mastodon and stuff has where and Matrix, I guess, as well, where you have all of these different ways to access Element, it. Matrix, Mastodon, this, that, Gab, whatever. It's confusing. Mm. Like having... I, people sort of used to having, like, if you want to go to Twitter, you go to Twitter.com. Twitter. If you want to go to it's Facebook, central. you go to Facebook. One big thing, yeah. But then, you know, trying out Matrix, you're like, do you want to join this home server, this home server, this home server, this one? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I first signed up to Matrix or on Element, mm. I just signed up to the default home server. Yeah. I set up everything up. I set everything mm. up and um, I had no issue understanding the concept that, you know, this is Matrix and stuff. Mostly because I understood the concept of self-hosting. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I didn't fully understand the idea that you could self-host your entire Matrix instance and not just a community or something. But that was besides the point. What I did find confusing was their current way with element of dealing with communities. Because I then found yep. an interesting client. I forgot who develops this, but it's called Carbon or something. And it's basically an element or a matrix client mm -hmm. dedicated entirely to being as similar to Discord. And it has this genius idea. What if we just have the communities on the side? You click on the community and then another 
another little bar opens with all the chats in those community instead of putting it all in one single row mm. one single column sorry one single column and that's i thought that was a clever idea <laughs> like uh so now elements basically do, doing the same with their new spaces yeah, yeah. initiative well matrix is going to add these too so you're basically going to be able to make discord servers on matrix finally. which i think is a great idea i think that's finally yeah exactly communities will finally be good um so that's gonna i think that's gonna entice a lot of people to move over i hope i mean we'll talk about discord being sold to microsoft they were in talks now they're saying that maybe they might go public and if that happens and discord crashes who knows i don't know um but people kids will still keep using discord mm. 13 year olds 14 year olds that kind of they just love it they just eat it all up they love it so i don't expect a lot of those to switch over to element or matrix well if they go current, anywhere they they'll, do, they'll go to good. gilded probably yeah gilded mm. is interesting mm. um i tried it out it's this like i don't really see any advantages over discord besides it having more features and it's got more things if mm. i will i if i'm able to set up a, a bridge with matrix to gilded which currently is impossible because gilded is yet to release their bots and stuff and ah. also there have been a few people that have been pressing gilded about hey why don't you make Gilded open source? And they haven't done it. Um, they shun the question. So it's clear that there's something weird going on. It's mm. probably just like Discord is. It's massive spyware. It's that great um, spyware. What are they? Spyware Watchdogs page. What was I forgot what it was called. But you can see a great page where they have a page on Discord. And mm. they talk about all the problems with it. All the, all the spying it does. And especially the Discord client program mm -hmm. has genuine access and can see the programs you're running on your windows computer so that's a massive uh, privacy risk mm -hmm. so you definitely shouldn't use discord for privacy so that's i think the biggest thing people care about they want a good private system and obviously matrix is the ideal solution mm -hmm. because it's self-hosted as well so nobody can shut it down or decide that you know you're not allowed to say this you're not allowed to do that which yeah. is good but it's 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 not super user-friendly if somebody made an interface like gilded that could interact with Matrix, that'd be mm. great. But we're talking about an open source project here. They're not funded by some massive corporation. And if they mm. were, it'd probably ruin the project. So Yeah. I'll have yeah. to check out this uh, this carbon client a uh, carbon client you're mentioning. Cause I Yeah, it's no good. It's it's good for private messaging. It does not support encrypted messaging, I believe it. Mm -hmm. It's not it's pretty much not featureful. You can't do anything in it, but it is it's it's just a proof of concept. Oh, okay. Yeah, you okay. can make things you can make things look good and yeah, it okay. works. That makes sense. But yeah, I I've got um I've got a bunch of my uh, Discord chats. Uh, well, I guess the chats yeah, in the Discord server uh, bridged over. And Matrix has I, I get why they've done it because it a lot of people like IRC, like a lot of people in the open source community like IRC. But the the it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work if you're trying to do stuff with bridging to Discord where you have like yeah you know twenty rooms just in a massive list with no sort of grouping. It's not going to work exactly. So now that they're adding these places, hopefully it'll be more organized because everything in Matrix is a room, regardless of whether it's in a community, regardless of whether it's just a random room somewhere, mm. it's a room. Mm. So if I'm able to make a place, this new places feature with, with Matrix, with Element or whatever, and it looks nice, it looks like a Discord server, and each chat individually is a Matrix chat, I can use the bot, bridge them over to Discord, mm. and it's like the same experience on both sides. It takes a little bit more work on my end, but it works. So once they get this places things out, it's mostly UI changes. Like honestly, nothing about the community's 
technically from the protocols perspective at the back end is wrong. It's all just how elements organizes it. You have to right click on the community and click view community mm-hmm. to see the community. Somebody coming from discord is going to be so confused. And mm-hmm. I was so confused when I first used element. So as soon as they fix these UI issues, these UI weird decisions, then they're going to be golden. I think it's going to be excellent. It's going to be really easy to switch people over. Mm. I think um, the other thing that needs to be addressed is the fact that there's no, like, so, or I guess community-wide or space-wide uh, moderation at this point. So if someone if someone's being an absolute asshole and you want to ban them, you have to ban them individually from each of the rooms they're in. That is another thing. I believe you can, they should have just, I think I think there's some, like, third-party kind of bot tools you can use, but, like, there's nothing built in. Yeah. I... Yeah, if you could ban someone entirely from an entire place, mm. that could be a good feature. So I guess that's that's not really my biggest concern because I got like four chats in my entire thing, yeah, so that's, that's easy right. to get over. But if you have like 10 chats or something. Yeah. And also managing permissions for each individual chat, managing world readability. And stuff. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. If you, wanna have, switches. if you just want to have mods, you have to go and mod the person in each of the yeah, individual exactly. rooms as well. Individually tell, yeah, this is an administrator. And not to mention that it's completely unintuitive. And they should add a feature like on Discord um, to at least either give the moderators a different color name mm, so mm. you can tell. Like these UI touches that may not make sense to a developer, but make sense to an end user. Yeah, yeah. Because an end user wants colorful, basic looking stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it has to be dumbed down, but certainly some UI changes need to be done to make mm-hmm. it look better. And if you don't like it, just use an older version of development or use what I use, which is excellent. It supports scripted chats as well. I use um, Gomux, an excellent ah, terminal okay. client for Matrix. Yeah, probably going to make a video on it because it's just so much fun to use. I love this. Gomax. I think someone's mentioned that one to me before. I don't. I haven't used it though. I've just been lazy and just used Element because Element just sort of works. Mm. Yeah, Gomax is. I mean, you, obviously, you can't really do a lot from Gomax. It's mm. Elements, what you should use. Yeah. To moderate and do everything, but on Gomax, mm-hmm. it's excellent because you can just just read your chat, just do whatever, and it's all in the terminal. And it's great to using it. If you're using it on a system that may not have a graphical interface or may not be able to run a web, brow- web browser super well, or if you just don't want to run a web browser, mm-hmm. if you want it to be less resource-intensive, then Gomax is excellent. So, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's shift to a, a funny topic I mentioned during uh, when we were just getting ready for this. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the Big Bird Bandit. Um, I'll send you a link to it. Just it's, it's honestly hilarious. Let's take a look at this. Um, so this was big news in South Australia the other week. So basically what happened, um, (laughs) basically what happened is, uh, anyone who's just listened to the audio version, uh, I'm sure you've seen Sesame Street before. There's a character in Sesame Street called Big Bird and there was a circus in Australia, in, uh, in Adelaide specifically, where they had Sesame Street characters and, uh... Two dudes just decided they want to steal the costume. <laughs> I don't know why, uh, but they also, when they returned it, they had a a uh, letter that they wanted to <laughs> wanted to offer. Um, we are so we are so sorry. We had no idea what we were doing or what our actions would cause. <laughs> what? Okay, sure. Um, we were just having a rough time, and we're trying to cheer ourselves up. We had a great Fair time enough. with Mr. Bird. He's a great guy, and no harm came to our friend. Sorry to be such, 
a such a big burden, and burden was spelled like bird. Um, sincerely, the big bird bandits. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, interesting. Interesting thing to happen. Adelaide. That's a pr- you, look. It, it might sound crazy, but this is just Adelaide. It's pretty normal, to be honest. Okay, just all right. The, I guess it happened again this week. Somebody stole a big bird just to Nothing. mess around and left an apology note with a bunch of unfunny puns. <laughs> look, there's not the, the if you ever come to Australia, one thing you you would find out is that nothing happens in Adelaide. It is the most boring city in the entire country. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. If you're gonna if you're gonna do something fun, stealing a big bird cost. At least they didn't steal it for real. They just mm. took it and uh, like gave it back. In a like, yes, they still stole it, but they didn't. They, they gave it back. So, but the, who uh, knows who it could have been? Mm, the, the 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 funny part about this though is the co- how much the costume costs. Uh oh, how much does it cost? One hundred sixty thousand dollars. Oh my! Oh, what? Woo! I don't know how. Expensive. I don't, it's just like it, maybe because they have to get it so accurately done like perhaps they just need to like sculpt his face in such a specific way so he doesn't lose his charm mm. or maybe it's got something to do with the materials they use or the feathers or, or it's something it, it is gigantic if it, you've seen big bird 213 huge. centimeters is how big this exactly that's taller than most people that's oh look at that it's it almost reaches the roof of this place it's, Depressing dark room. In fact, I should definitely open the window. Hold up. But yeah, um, so it is big. It's very, very large. So mm. I expect it to be a little, you know, difficult to sort of steal that. How are you going to carry just without anybody noticing, carry a, a 200, like two meter tall big bird costume out? Like, yeah, how, do they, how do they get it? It doesn't explain well, how they not. actually got it. Yeah. They just like grabbed it and left, I guess. Yeah, it was flown in from New York as well. So yeah, it came straight. Straight came straight from Sesame Street. Exactly, straight from Sesame Street itself. Big Bird, and Big Bird uh, at least entertains Adeline for a week, so there's mm. something there. Uh, since we're on the 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 topic of people doing dumb stuff, I guess we'll also talk about the um the oh. the earthquake that happened in America. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Okay, I'm gonna. I I, have, I know what happened. Uh, where did my list of topics? Where is it? So. A gender reveal party. We we all know what gender reveal parties are. It's yeah. it's where where parents where parents decide they want to tell people what gender their child is because I don't know they yeah. think people care. Um, sometimes the gender reveal parties go a little bit bad, like you know, causing California wildfires, killing two people in an airplane crash, things like this, or. Um, setting off 80 pounds of tannerite in a quarry and causing an earthquake two states over. Now that's an accomplishment. They should have competitions for this, I swear. Like, they should genuinely go and have a competition of who can cause most property damage and just, just destroy by revealing their child's gender. Currently, it goes to the California wildfires. That one, that's the most damage that's been done yeah, so far. That's, that's, but like, think of what you could do. You could release mustard gas in the color of a child's gender, just pink mustard gas or something like that. You could, or you could do something else ridiculous. You could, like... like they they caused an earthquake. Sky's the limit. Mm, you could, like, launch a nuke, and the color of the mushroom cloud is the, the exactly, gender of the child. Yeah. You could launch some kind of rocket like that, and the color of the plume would mm. be the color of the child. Or maybe you could launch... 
just to make it like an extra surprise, you can launch like a weather balloon with explosives and they explode in the color of the child or, or something like that. Or they or fireworks that go horribly wrong, which is probably what causes most of these. So what caused this? Did they do like an explosion? Yeah, what did they so do? Like what they did is they bought 80 pounds of tannerite, which is 36 kilos. Um, oh, boy. They put it in a quarry because they thought a quarry would be the safest place to do it. Because, you know, if you blow up... 30, oh, sorry, uh, 80 pounds of tannerite in, like, open space, you're probably going to get hit with some debris. Um, yeah. So they put it underground. So just put it in a hole. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's, that's a clever idea. The fact that no one died from this is impressive. Um, yeah. Yeah, they put it in a hole, <laughs> and I guess they didn't realise that that's obviously going to do more damage underground, and that 80 pounds is a, a lot of explosive. Uh, especially set off all at once. Yeah, uh, my question is, how did this exactly cause an earthquake? Because it is a big explosion. Like, I don't really have a sense of scale when it comes to explosive. I, I don't know what, ex like you said, what, what explosive are they using for this? It's uh, tannerite. Yeah, yeah. tannerite. I I have no idea what that what that would be like. I don't know anything about explosive. I don't know anything about guns or explosive. I I genuinely would not be able to calculate how much that is. But uh, I think it has is there like a calculator with this. Hold up. I, I think also has something to do with the fact that it was in a, a quarry. So, something yeah, about maybe like some it... geology reason yeah yeah i i don't know what the, how it caused it but like if you put it above ground surely it wouldn't do it then because you're like you have bigger explosions than that that don't cause earthquakes perhaps okay this is my botched geology theory right which i don't know anything about because i don't know anything about geology but or just rocks or like the earth in sure. general but this is my theory mm -hmm. because they put it in a quarry there wasn't anything to cushion this explosion mm. so what happened was the vibrations were able to carry through the ground because there's nothing because if you did it in like a forest or somewhere mm -hmm. the vibrations would be cushioned by the trees right right but since they did it in a quarry because you're literally talking about rock which is pretty well conductive of vibrations mm -hmm. and that's why earthquakes are so dangerous then that that's what happened they set off this explosion and boom it just like caused these vibrations everywhere because it wasn't a quarry, specifically mm. because it wasn't a quarry. So that, that's that's my theory, just because there was nothing that cushioned the impact. But I don't know anything about geologists. So I might be completely wrong. There's I think probably some to, geologist out there who knows. I think we need to see what, like, a, let's say, like, a kil how, how big is a kilogram of tannerite? Just so we can get a scale of, like, what, 36 yeah, times like, that how big be. is that explosion? How many newtons? Let's uh, see. <laughs> a kilogram of tannerite. Uh, let's see. Do Let's see. Oh, one pound of tannerite. Uh, let's see. What what does tannerite.com have to tell me about it? Well, it actually wouldn't have been that expensive. It's only like $9 for a pound of it, so... Oh. Wow, causing that's pretty cheap. Um, uh, it, let's see. One... They say it's an... I, I'm assuming it's an... I just read here. It's like a, an equivalent to TNT. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to use TNT calculations to figure this out. So, and according to the calculators I found online, um, this sort of like TNT explosion would be how much is this? Oh, that's around oh. thirty-six kilograms. It'd be around twenty-nine point one kilograms of explode. What is that even meant to mean? I, I want to figure out Newton. Sold up TNT calculators. There's got to be some online. Oh, I've I found what uh, someone blowing up. Half a pound of tannerite. Oh, okay. How much is that? Uh, so here's the, here's a video. Uh, Let's take a look. 
Have a bound of turn rate explosion. Switch to the correct thing. What? My OBS keeps switching to your face every time I try to show my web browser. Okay, I'm looking at this now, and it's oh, it's it's pretty. I mean, this is this is nice to look at. It's a explosion. It but... is, but like times that by a hundred and sixty. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I can I can see why this caused an earthquake now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's all it's all coming together now. I don't mm. even think it was the quarry, but maybe that could have contributing contributed. I don't know if there's a video of the actual explosion going on. I don't think anybody would have. Um, Look, you got to get that cloud on the internet. That's the only reason you do this. That is true, but it, maybe it was only for friends. I don't know. Let's see. Hold up. I didn't look much into the story. I just like this is dumb, and I have to. I have to talk about this. There's there appears to be no like there's photos of it, but there appears to be no actual mm. like videos of it. There's videos of the aftermath. Mm. There's videos of uh, the explosion. It happened. Uh, let's see if there's any news channels that have the proper film of it. But so just seeing this, like footage. the picture of the explosion, sort of gives you an idea of. Yeah, this is a big. Mm. At least we know it was a boy. <laughs> uh, the embarrassment of this guy, knowing that his his life literally started off with a bang. He's definitely he's made an impact on the world. Uh, but yeah, a, a physical impact, a vibration. The uh, the New Hampshire man has already turned himself into police after setting off this uh, this explosion. So at least he's not well, on the run like the uh, the Big Bird bandits. Yeah, which we don't know where they went. Uh, the greatest criminals of all time, the Big Bird <laughs> bandits, just try to entertain a town for for a weekend just by stealing Big Bird, who costs one hundred and something thousand dollars to make. Yeah, this is fascinating. Yeah, but I don't know how much exactly how much force this would have generated, but I can see now why this would have caused or caused a proper, you know, earthquake. I don't know like how big it was. Like people were saying, things fell off their wall and the foundation of their houses yeah. cracked. So it's not like a you know, house destroying earthquake, anything like that. Yeah, so nothing it really bad happened, but you know, it, it was uh, an earthquake <laughs> caused by. It. An explosion. Mm. So I, I don't know if it was caused maybe by the by the quarry or if it was caused by something else. But eighty pounds of tannerite is going to do something. It's definitely so, going to do something. Yeah. That, like we can see that there will be some form of physical impact. <laughs> so yeah, people are dumb. People are dumb. That's all. Yeah. That that's a that's normal. Good way to sum it up. Oh, I, I had something hilarious happen the other day. Uh, you know, with YouTube being the way they are, and, you know, just deleting mm -hmm. videos because, I don't know, they don't like yeah, YouTube videos. It's their favorite sport. I got a uh, email from Dailymotion the other day, because I have a Dailymotion oh, account for some reason. Um, and they're like, oh, yes, we have decided to terminate your account. That was all the email said. There was nothing else there. It wasn't like, you broke this specific rule in our TOS. Nope. We've deleted your account. At least like, they don't lie. Yeah. I, yeah, YouTube, harmful and dangerous content with YouTube DL. Yeah, you're going to teach kids how to build bombs by using YouTube DL, by using Linux. Dangerous hacking tool, Linux. I guess your video got oh, uh, removed before mine did, because I noticed in that video when you were scrolling, yeah. my video was still in the, uh, the search results. Yeah, my bet. I'm upset about that to some extent, because mm. I, I put a lot of work into that. It was, a, it was my, one of my just-used videos, it's my mm -hmm. flagship series. 
it's not my best made one. It, mm. It's something I genuinely cared about. And mm. I'm upset that that guy, like, I put more editing into that than I normally put into most other videos because most other videos don't really take that much editing. It's mm. just done beforehand. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was upset that that got taken. But, you know, whatever. Tough. It's on Odyssey now. Yeah. Well, actually, I wonder if. If any any of the other videos got taken down, like Luke's video or something, I know Luke was Luke's, having Luke's issues. video was taken down. The, okay. LBR, the YouTube DL video by Luke was taken down. Yeah. Uh, let's see what is actually available about YouTube DL. We've got one still sitting here about how to install YouTube DL on Windows. Hmm. They won't take that one down. <laughs> I don't know. Um, YouTube just does whatever they uh, want. To be honest, <clears throat> YouTube just. I'm pretty sure we can go through and comb technical statistics and figure out exactly why they take down some videos and don't take down others, but we, we just don't know. Mm. It's just a magic crystal ball every time you upload a video, whether it's going to be taken down or not. Mm. Most of the time it's not. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you get a strike and you can't upload for a week. That's yeah. just how it is sometimes. Luckily, mine was just a um, uh, warning, so I didn't get anything. Like There was nothing actually happened from that. Yeah, I got a warning for a live stream because uh, we showed some copyrighted content at some oh, point. Okay. Then I got I got the strike for the YouTube deal, and I got a strike recently for another video about something else. But that's also an Odyssey, so it doesn't really matter. Mm. Luckily, we have Odyssey then. Yep, luckily it syncs everything over before YouTube takes it down. Mm. Oh, I, I I do love Odyssey. It is it is a great service. I do think that it definitely still has a lot of work that needs to be done. Like transcoding, obviously, is still very much needed it's incredibly intensive so it's difficult to transcode all those videos but maybe someday they'll get it to work i know yeah. that they've actually got transcoding enabled for certain videos above 500 views i believe yeah they do enable it for that just to improve performance but it's like my question is you know it's meant to be stored on a blockchain mm. how will they handle that how will they handle all these different things like it'd be interesting to see how they technically handle kind of new things, these new features they're adding, because that demands big modifications to the blockchain mm. that they're currently using or or some kind of method of interacting with it, because it's not like you can delete past videos and just do it all again. So, yeah. Yeah, with the... Uh, well, obviously the videos themselves are not stored on the blockchain. It's like a pointer to the video. Um, yeah. But... It's a claim for the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and other things. And LBC itself. But I guess a lot of the stuff that you would... I don't know if you'd have to modify the blockchain to actually get things like transcoding working properly. It's more like a, uh, a front-end issue you have to deal with. Yeah. But consider this. Um, mm. When you watch videos on LBRY, mm. the desktop program, obviously it's going to download them and it's it's a lot like PeerTube where you can connect to other people. So how will that work with transcoding? Will you download every single version of the video for different resolutions? Will different people have different resolutions? If you watch it in one resolution, you'll download that. Like they're gonna have to figure out a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's for it. that's an issue. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you deal with it. You are on PeerTube as well, though. Like, what what made you want to use that one? Just because you wanted like complete control over your stuff? Uh, let's see. So I created it. Well, yeah, exactly that. I I saw it was the first thing I ever self-hosted. Mm. My first oh, okay. website that I self-hosted. And it was a fun learning experience. It was useful for learning. And, uh, well, I like it I like it from all perspectives because, yeah, you do have full control. I like all the things you can customize. And I like that it's basically your own YouTube that you can just link over to other people's. Because it reminds me of, I don't know if you know about these sites, but there's a website called Vidly mm -hmm. and a website called, uh, um, I think it's called uh, BitVideo. It's called, like, um, Bit, BitView. 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 And they're sort of styled after 
old YouTube mm -hmm. and you can only upload videos up to 100 megabytes, only up to a certain resolution. You know, it's, it's like old YouTube. Mm. And what makes them so good is it just like, it gives me, it, I, I can understand from their blog posts and all oh, this wow. stuff. Oh yeah. It's like one guy running it. Mm. It's like two people running this. And I love that. <laughs> and I, I like that aspect of PureTube. You can run your own and it's like running your own little mini YouTube. And I like, cause you can enable signups and stuff. And you mm. can federate it with other people's. I've had tons of people federate, federate theirs and mine. I've federated mine with only one other instance. And that's why I enjoy PureTube because of that. And also it offers us a great way to back up my videos mm. just in case Odyssey or whatever fails, which I don't think it ever will. It's still going to be there. But, mm. you know, it's yeah, just to be sure. I always keep a backup of my videos on my computer. I keep a backup in other places. I got drives, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's important to have backups and that's a great way for people to watch my videos in the future. And that especially applies if YouTube ever decides to strike me more times and takes down my channel or something like that. Yeah. I know, um, for a w I, Luke's channel did got like temporarily taken down because of, uh, I didn't get, I don't think it got temporarily taken down. I, I, I he said it was going to get taken down. Right. He just got more strike. I mean, got, he got three strikes in total over his history, but they've expired before he could get the other one. So oh, he never okay. really reached two strikes. So he's gotten mm -hmm. more than three strikes. So his reasoning was at some point, if this keeps happening, I'm going to get banned. Mm. So that's his reasoning at the moment. Yeah. Because he, I, I know that one of the strikes was for like making fun of Indian tech channels, which that doesn't <laughs> narrow it down to which video it would have been. No. Um, no, I know specifically what the mm. video was. It's okay. one where he talks about uh, tech support and, and something else. Like oh, that. Yeah, it's yeah. still on it's still on Odyssey. Yeah, it's course, still yeah. on Pier 2. You can watch it there if you want. I mean, I don't know. Um I feel like YouTube, it makes it makes more sense for YouTube to take that down than it does for them to take YouTube DL down. Mm -hmm. But then again, YouTube DL, you know, it's in theory a way for people to walk walk around the YouTube service despite it being perfectly legal and having no issues whatsoever. But it is, in theory, competition to their website and competition to their beautiful JavaScript telemetry-ridden website. Um, so, yeah, I understand now why they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I've actually... Um, a, a couple of people asked me to do videos and things like Newpipe and stuff as well. And because, oh, yeah. of, the, uh, because of the YouTube DL stuff, I'm just like... I don't know whether it's no. going to be another strike or what the deal is. Strike, strike, anyway. strike. Oh, God. YouTube bans, new pipe. Just saying these words feels like I'm going to get a strike. But <laughs> new pipe is new pipe has done some controversial stuff recently. I don't know if you heard about this. But they said they're going to begin removing from the new pipe client itself. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, but they're going to begin, like, try to remove controversial videos, videos that have, like, so they basically get to dictate what comes on new pipe and what comes off. Mm -hmm. Then again, I don't feel like people genuinely use, like, if you're going to use YouTube on the mobile phone, chances are you're using YouTube just a regular yeah. program or you're using YouTube Vanced or you're using YouTube something else. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with these programs is like either you're using it to block ads or you're using it to something else. Like YouTube Vanced is open source. It's 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 good. Um, I have the ads enabled on it personally because mm. um, I prefer having them enabled. I feel bad not watching ads on videos because I I know how it is to have most of your audience use ad block. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, so when it comes to YouTube Vanced and that kind of stuff, um, it's it's safe. Mm. Yes, you're on YouTube. You're still gonna be spied on. Everything is still gonna be logged, and new pipe lacks features because you can't really like log in. You can't really do anything from it. So I feel like you, new pipe isn't really serving a big market right mm. now. Like it's, if you're gonna use YouTube, you're gonna use it on the web, or if you're gonna use YouTube through new pipe, just use a a mirror. 
like there's tons of those. There's a million mm. different yeah, yeah, places. Yeah. Vids, I think there's like Vi YouTube, Vi YouTube, something like that. Like all these places. And I find the I find I found out about these because I sometimes I go to like some obscure search engine. I switch up my name to see what shows up. Dennishi video, and then I'm like, oh, what is this video site? Oh, it's just a, a mirror YouTube. Oh, oh yeah. interestingly though. There has been some random blog website reposting my videos and a couple of other YouTube mm -hmm. um, YouTuber uh, like Linux YouTubers videos. Uh, it doesn't repost them, doesn't re-upload them. It just links them to YouTube. It's not okay. like I lose out on any views or anything. So there's no monetary incentive, but it's just weird. The only pattern I've discerned from it is that they only do this for open like videos that are under creative commons which most of my videos are so right. hold up let me look for it i think i think i have it somewhere i did have there. someone who actually like re-uploaded my video and they're like oh this is under creative commons and i haven't uploaded a single one of my videos under creative commons so they're just like straight oh, up lying about it mm. i'm gonna see if i can find mm. this um oh i'm glad that my peertube instance mm. is showing up on google searches if you search for denshi video uh that's mm -hmm. good uh, so is my LBRY, so that's that's pretty good as well. Uh, hold up, Let's see if I can find this. And my Odyssey, that's excellent. Oh, they've um, fixed up SEO stuff, nice. Mm -hmm. Another thing, so uh, search engine optimization clearly is working, but I'm trying to figure out if I can find this specific one, wait, like this weird website. Just under your YouTube channel, we get Denshi Video Cult on the Denshi Wiki fandom. Oh yes, that's a beautiful article. Denshi Wiki on the fandom is discontinued. We have a prof-hosted media wiki, mm -hmm. which I host on my computer on the one answer. IRL.com at Denshi Video. Um, oh wait a second, I didn't set this up. What the frick is this? I'm gonna have to report this. This isn't me. Um, it appears that someone has been mirroring my live streams on IRL.com. I've never Which is a website where people, it's a website where basically people like post, it's like, you know how you had Facebook events, like you could set a Facebook party, yeah, yeah. Facebook this, <clears throat> it's like that, but like that concept, but it's like the entire website. So it's IRL.com because in real life, and somebody has made an account for me and started posting my live streams. I think it's a bot doing this. Hold up. <laughs> Upcoming plans. Who did this? Why? <laughs> Out of everything you could have done. Um, there's also, oh, oh, of course. Oh, here's another one. Uh, so this is unrelated to that other website I found, but this is one of my, it's like one of my videos that I deleted and it's under a page called Denshi video, old videos. And it's one of my videos that I deleted where I was like teaching how to install Debian or something. And I, mm -hmm. it just links to my YouTube videos. That's good. Um, what is this? Like, <laughs> I'm assuming there's like a bot that crawls around all of like YouTube searching mm. for Linux videos or tech related videos. So it can repost them on these places. The weirdest thing is this IRL.com. But anyway, hold up. I need to, I need to, oh, here it is. I found the website that um, reposts my and other people's videos. It's called mm. easytudo.net. I'll just, I'll just link one of my videos Did. here on the Jitsi. Hold up. Also, uh, yeah, so this also me and a couple of other people. If you go to easytudo's homepage, you'll find there's, oh, by the way, oh, it most likely spies on you for your information so you should definitely clear your browser cache after going to this site because there's some weird stuff on this mm, um so there's a lot of if you go to the linux section os linux section you'll find there's tons of like there's oh there's um like spanish youtubers who make linux videos lots of spanish youtubers oh, there's wait. people talking about kali linux i know for a fact there's people talking about other stuff 
Like if it, let's search up what's what's a famous Linux YouTuber again? There's um uh, what's that guy? Uh, not I'm pretty sure Luke Smith videos aren't on here. No, okay. Chris. There's a guy called. Chris I Titus. know there's a one. It's let's let's search for Chris Titus. I don't uh, know yeah, if any of his him. videos are. You found him on Easy Tudor? Yeah. Yep. I just I found him too. There he is. Oh, and also, um, oh yeah, the Linux gamers videos are here too. Oh. So there's this website. Then there's another website that also does this. Um, there's a few other websites that do this. I don't know what these people are doing, but there's some kind of bot here. I'm mm -hmm. assuming. And all of these videos are under the name of one guy, Devin Barton. It's such a weird thing. Uh -huh. Devin Barton is supposedly the publisher of all these, all of these things. So some kind of bot goes through these and looks for videos on YouTube and re-uploads them to this weird website. Oh, it's my video. I think I talked about this in some video. Oh, you found your videos. Yeah, I just found one of mine on uh, <laughs> Lenovo Linux ThinkPads. Why is that the video? Fascinating. Wait, who's make your own Linux distro? I reckon who's that one? Oh, it's uh, The Real Geeks. Why is The Real Geeks video here? This just uploads anybody's Linux videos. What yeah, the... anybody's Linux video shows up on easy And there's a couple of other websites like this. So what I'm currently trying to figure out, That's I definitely yeah. need to delist my fandom. I got to get rid of this so it doesn't, it, it's poisoning my search results. But <laughs> yeah. uh, um, privacy such... focused, hold up. Yes. There's some people who have been linking me on megabyte.co, apparently. Um, okay. Oh, excellent. My videos showing up in a few articles on megabyte.co. <laughs> Probably a bot written entire site, judging by the giant wallpaper on megabyte.co that says blog <laughs> and just the word blog and then stock images behind it. Um, and there's a link to one of my videos, just use signal where they do it. But this is innocent. Let's make it an article on signal. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's a few other things here. What else is there here? There's, um, yeah, it's one thing to, like, link to your stuff on some weird website. Um, but, you know, re-uploading is a whole other thing. Yeah, that is that is an entire different thing. Yeah, okay, this is just linking. At least they're linking them. Yeah, We're yeah, not talking about some fine. kind of weird... Oh, there's another website that also has stolen my video. <laughs> not stolen, sorry. Just, just um, reposted it mm -hmm. in a really weird way. Like, it appears that there's these automated systems, and what they're doing is they're writing articles for mm. websites, blogs, and stuff. And they're scanning through YouTube for relevant videos, and then they're just getting those, copying the tags with the YouTube DL or YouTube API or whatever, mm. and then banking that people are going to go to this website for, like, tech news that other people are generating for them. Mm. And fair enough, they're only stealing, like, um, videos that are Creative Commons, at least as far as I can, I can see. But, yeah... Oh, yeah. I I knew. I keep getting links. I knew content like this would be somewhere weird, but you know, I hadn't done a uh, much of a search for it. Yeah, I I tend to do a lot of this because I know there are people out there trying to steal videos and trying to do that kind of stuff, <clears throat> mostly on Facebook and these kind of places. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's it's not always a super big issue. Um, yeah, but I guess you know there are, the only places I know for a fact where. You can find re-uploads of things are on like um, sometimes I find people re-uploading my stuff to BitView for yeah, random yeah, yeah. reasons. <clears throat> sometimes, just but it's mostly just like memes or something. Mm. So I don't really care. Uh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> so, 
Well, thank you for letting me know about that. I'll, uh, I might do a bit of a bit of a dig into this and see what I can find. Yeah, but if I search Luke Smith, I mm. should be able to find his website. Yeah, Luke Smith shows up. Um, if you search for Luke Smith, one big word, uh, it, it shows up his personal website. And also, if you search Luke and Smith, I'm Wait. on DuckDuckGo. But um, he shows up on different places, so that's good. Um, my search engine optimization isn't <laughs> maximally good. What what is it? <laughs> Just... <laughs> what? Why what do... is this? Why do I have an IMDb page? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the photos. See all three photos. <laughs> Who made this? Who made this? Oh my god! Don't you have to? I think don't you have to be approved to make these? Like <laughs> episode guide. Two episodes, and the episodes are Welcome to My Channel and Camlink 4K. I should have upgraded earlier. <laughs> Why are those the videos? I don't think I'm on here, but if somebody's gonna, if somebody who's approved on this made Brody Robertson, then they're probably gonna make Den Shisu and other people. I expect that to happen at some point. I don't know. My official site uh. is uh, Odyssey. Oh, they've got they've linked to my Odyssey. They haven't linked to my YouTube. Hey, that's good. That's excellent. Well, I am still concerned about this IRL.com thing, though. This, this is not, this is not me on this IRL.com. No. <laughs> I don't. I didn't set these up. Somebody stole them from me. I have. Yeah. I. I don't do much. Much I, ego searching. Am I but... able? Yeah. I need to report this to something. Am I able to report? Like, but no. It says it does no harm. I'm assuming the videos themselves are linked or something. Mm. Uh, yeah. They're just. Yeah. It just links to the videos. So it's not like it's not like really doing any yeah. harm. But who's running this? How do they know who I am? Who said this? I, I don't want somebody else to have control over an account on social media. I don't want people being tricked into donating to this or something like that because that mm. can genuinely happen. At least it didn't get. At least it didn't get posted to like one of those sham like cryptocurrency social media sites. Yeah, yeah, crypto that's like BitClouch or whatever that kind of weird stuff. At oh, least I'm not I, on there. I've been um watching Barnacles just like lose his mind on Twitter going after BitClout. Oh yeah. Mm. What is Git memory? What? What is this? Oh, okay. Just tracks my GitHub. That's fine. Okay, I thought it was some like weird thing I I just managed to show up on. I'm just going through pages on Google, just seeing what I can find. Uh. Hmm. I'm not seeing anything. Too bad. There's my subscribe style. That's fine. Uh. No, I'm not seeing anything else. Okay, there's a couple of other people. Oh, good, good. That's excellent. Yeah, well, maybe something else will show up. Wait, I'm on this... Wait, what? I don't, I don't know whether I want to open up this website. It's a very sketchy link. Oh, there's somebody talking about... Mm -hmm. Oh, you cut out, sorry. Oh, no, the... the okay, let's take a look at this. I, I, I don't know if I want to click on it, to be honest. Like, that link just doesn't look... Doesn't look inviting. Oh, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> IQ options. <laughs> oh, there's a website called linuxlove.com that re has has uh, reposted, my, reposted my video. Oh, lovely. I'm yeah, going to see if I'm there. Uh, no, apparently I'm not. Well, Linuxlove. Linux, no, it's not Linux of, linuxof.com. Linux. It's linuxove.com. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it doesn't seem like I'm there. 
Wait, do I have hmm. a second? Wait, I'm sorry, what? Oh, no, they just linked to the picture. I thought I had a second IMDb page. No, it's just the same one. Yeah. For some reason, the um, the my profile picture is showing up in the search results. Like, uh, just a direct link to it. <laughs> <laughs> it appears your profile picture has made it to IMDb, so uh, who, who knows how far it can get. Well... <laughs> I'm happy I found out about that. But we've been going for about uh, two, a bit over two hours now. Uh, so I think it's probably yeah. as good a time as any to end off the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about time to stop. Uh, usually what I do towards the end of this is give some random channel that you've been watching a shout-out or maybe like a, a project you want to talk about. Just anything you think deserves some more attention. Uh, oh, I'll, I know exactly what channel to shout out now. Mm. There's an excellent, on Odyssey, um, the official Uno. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably give you a link to put that in the description, I guess. A great channel. is a great guy. He makes great videos on music and mm. other things. He's making a lot of them. He's on Odyssey and uh, not on YouTube because mm. a lot of the stuff that he talks about, like he talks about the censorship of Eminem in his first video, which mm-hmm. is, it includes a lot of things that probably would get him completely cut off from YouTube. So he has to be on Odyssey. That's the only lifeline he really has. Mm-hmm. Excellent videos, very well edited, and I absolutely love them. He also has an art channel also on Odyssey where he posts art that he makes and Blender, great Blender artist. So that's a guy I definitely want mm-hmm. to shout, shout out. Great videos, great everything. Can't wait to see more. Yeah, the official Uno. When I search for the official Uno on Odyssey, I get links to your videos. <laughs> Weird. Well, the, the, the ones you did... Uh, with, official with Uno. the official Uno. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But, yeah. Um, I just put. A, uh, I can give you a link to his Odyssey page, and one of his videos is reposted on my Odyssey account anyway. So okay, cool. Yeah, there's always that. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Uh, as for me, let's see. Hmm. I I, I never actually plan this out. I just like mm-hmm. come up with it on the spot. Just guess. I, I, yeah, whatever. I, just some random thing I'm watching. Um. Hmm. Oh, no, don't, no, don't stop playing that. Uh, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know today. Um, mm. uh, go watch The locking, uh, the Lockpicking Lawyer. Yeah, do that. He has a million subs, okay. but The Lockpicking Lawyer is a fun channel. He, uh, All right. he just, he's got t- like 1,200 videos where he just picks a lock. It's like three minutes long. He just pick a lock and be like, this lock is stupid. Yeah. Never seen any of his videos, but that seems like an interesting channel. Yeah. And locks. Uh, he, he just goes over, like, the flaws with the locks and, like, what locks you should, have, like, avoid and stuff. It's a fun channel. Oh, yeah. That's probably useful for anybody who cares about security. Mm. Chances are, if you use in Linux, you probably care a lot about your system security. You care about your security of your information. And you probably care about the security of your physical objects. So if you Hopefully. go watch Lockpicking Lawyer on YouTube, you're going to have access to, you know, all the information you sort of need to pick the right locks that are hyper-secure. Um, and good for <laughs> locking all your personal stuff so it doesn't get stolen or, or gets cracked by someone. So yeah. yeah, anybody who cares a lot about security will probably love that channel. Pretty much. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, as good as a recommendation I could give it. Um, do you have... Uh, where, 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 where can people find you? Yeah, there we go. Where can people find you? Me or yes. anyone else? You. Where, where can people you find you? You can find yourself? me on... You can find me on YouTube, you can find me on Matrix, you can find me on Discord, you can find me on... Just uh, on, Denshi uh, Video everywhere? Denshi Video is in a lot of places. Uh, well, the main places are Odyssey and YouTube mm-hmm. and my PureTube. That's yep. the three main places. PureTube's got an RSS feed. You can go to the RSS feed, add that to your RSS feed, which I know everybody, all the hip kids are using RSS feeds <laughs> these days. You got to use that. 
Um, there's uh, also an RSS feed on my personal website, denshi.live, but that's just blogs and other yeah. stuff. You can join us mining. We're <clears throat> mining Wow Narrow. Uh, we're close to finding a blog. We're probably going to find one in four months or so. And if more people mine, the faster we find one. So, yeah, and that gets distributed among the miners. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that. There's, um, you know, Odyssey. You can go there. You can tip. You can just watching as a verified Odyssey user, if you watch my videos, I I get LBC for that. So just if you're verified on Odyssey or just anybody who's on Odyssey, you can watch my videos and you're supporting me automatically besides the tip feature. Uh, and of course, watching on YouTube is also helping. And yeah, that's 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 my stuff. If you want to talk to people who are similar uh, to me or who like things that I like or, or you know, watch my sort of videos and enjoy them and or just talk about completely unrelated stuff most of the time, then you can join our matrix community mm -hmm. and our Discord server, which are bridged over like Brody's. So you can chat on Discord, it shows up on Matrix, chat on Matrix, it shows up, it shows up on Discord. So that's pretty much it, yeah. Cool, I'll leave links to all of that in the description as well if anyone wants to check that out. Mm. Uh, anything you forgot about, just send me a link to afterwards, I'll put it up. Yeah. Um, cool. As for me, I would like to thank my supporters, so a special thank you to Joachim Donald, Michael Andre, Nathan David, Will, Brennan, Chica Bento, Jamie Joseph, Mitchell Pitty, Stephen Tony Shah, and all of the $2 supporters. If you'd like to support work, there are links in the description somewhere. There's like Patreon, Subscribestar, all of that stuff. I think I should have... I had crypto... Uh, addresses, but I think I got rid of them for a while. Maybe I'll add them back. Mm. Um, yeah. Monero. Monero, yeah. Mon I'll put Monero on Bitcoin there. Sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> if you want to go watch my main channel stuff, that's Brody Robinson, but most of you guys are probably yeah. from there. If you're listening to the audio version of this, the video version is available on YouTube and Odyssey. If you are a video watcher, the audio version, if you search for Tech of a T, it, it get, it's everywhere. You'll find it. It's Anything that has like a podcast RSS feed, you can watch it on. Uh, mm. yeah, that's pretty much everything. I'll give you the final words. What do you want to say? Uh, oh yeah, I actually have an important question to ask you, and that's, it's relating to technology. That's, is it really possible to use OpenBSD as a daily driver? <laughs> Some of the guys on my Discord seem to think so, but I don't believe it. It is. You know, Paranoid Life did it for about a year and a half, and thoughts. That's his video. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably is possible. I don't know. If you specifically decide on the hardware you want, maybe so, but like... Maybe. Maybe. The year of the BSD desktop is not far. No, definitely not. It's, it's next year, definitely. Yeah, this next, is year is the, next year is the one. <laughs> Open BSD on every computer. Mm -hmm, it's going to yep. become a real Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you guys for watching, and I guess I guess we'll end it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to end the podcast. I've been doing this 61 times, don't know how I ended it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stop recording now.